Dokie. Welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to another Friday episode of Ancestral Eyes. This is episode 33 and we've got a special show on tonight. Woohoo! We have we have guests that are representing at least three countries, possibly four countries if Baba Nelson joins us. So we have Canada, US, England, and we will maybe have Mexico. So, and two time zones, two or three time zones. So, welcome everyone to our special episode. And this episode is dedicated to Obatala. And it's also, we are going to be talking about Ifa as a tradition. And we are welcoming back. First guest is Baba Ifasaye. Welcome, Baba Ifasaye, back to Ancestral Eyes. Thank you, Ekuleu. And tonight's other guest is Bolin, Bolin McJob, who is hailing from England. Welcome, Bolin. So, uh, England by way of Nigeria. By way right. of Ogun State, Southwest Nigeria, right. but right. live in England at the minute. And so, I want to yes, so I like to say Kabiesi. Ah, Teresa. Yeah, thank you for having me. And of course, my brother thank and my you. baba, John Jerome. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Asheh Wolan, pleasure to have you and Baba Fasiye with us and my co-host Teresa Aburuboye. Welcome to everyone uh, tuning in. We have a special show uh, where we're yeah. going to, as uh, Teresa indicated, we're going to talk a little bit about the Obatala cult, the Obatala as an Orisha. Uh, also, a little bit of reacquainting ourselves with the uh, spiritual journey uh, of Oba Fasiye. Uh, over the last uh, several years, over a decade, and 28 trips to Nigeria. And uh, we're, we're, we're very happy to have my good friend, Wolan, who is, again, hails from uh, Nigeria and uh, is, as he says, in England, and he works at the BBC. And uh, he has a fascinating story as well in terms of uh, Ifa in his life, and Ifa tradition, as he sees it, both in when he travels back to Nigeria, which he does frequently, and in England. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting show, and uh, hopefully Baba Nelson will be able to join us. Yeah. He's just yeah. involved in a, in a ceremony, but uh, hopefully he'll be tuning in later, and we'll have uh, a very good discussion. And before we begin, in Cuba, mm -hmm. uh, December 4th yes. is the feast day of Santa Barbara, which in Cuba, Santa Barbara was syncretized with Orisha Shangu. So as much as we will talk a lot about Obatala 
and other aspects of uh, Ifao Risa tradition in Nigeria and diaspora, uh, it would be, we'd be remiss not to praise Shango Kaviesi, sign, on this day, December 4th, where all of the diaspora, especially the Afro-Cuban tradition, venerates, worships Shango, and remembers their traditions and the traditions brought to them by their forefathers. So, Kaviesi, Shango, and welcome. Yes, welcome. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start off with Baba Kabiesi Ifagbe Fasaye Efensola. I said it right, didn't I? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with Baba Fasaye and welcoming him back because we have um, something special to announce that... Baba Fasaye has had confirmation and the recognition of his ordination as Oba, and that is the of the Orisha Obatala in Africa. Yeah. So, could you give us a little bit of background um, about how this started? Just a quick background and the confirmation, please. Uh, so, um, last year. Uh, some some of my chiefs, some of my aloye, uh, and I made the trip back to Nigeria uh, to go in to do some traditional rites there. And so we went to Ileife to go meet uh, His Imperial Majesty, the Oni uh, of Ife, as well as the, the leaders and the elders of, uh, of the cult of Obatala. And so we were invited uh, by His Divine Grace, uh, Oba Ishoro, the Arole Obatala Agbaye of the world uh, to come and to do my coronation rites as uh, Obarita Obatala of America. And so uh, this year, after having gone last year, some of my other Oloyes came with me uh, and also became chiefs. We have a Baba Osho Obarisho Obatala and we have a Baba Mero Obarisho Obatala of America. And uh, of course, there's many other Obas and other leaders of, of, uh, of the Orisha Obatala as well here in America, here in the diaspora. And uh, this year uh, as well, um, Obalesu gave us a letter and recognizing uh, that we had completed everything, that all the things that were necessary for all the necessary rights, what they called the Ikaro, uh, all the Ikaro rights of, uh, of kingship, of Obaship and Obatala had been completed. And we were blessed to have him send us a letter uh, here in the mail as well, just to let us know that everything was now, everything was now done, everything was finished, and to confirm uh, my title as His Spiritual Majesty, Obarisha uh, Obatala of America. So now we're continuing to do the work of Obatala, you know, continuing to work on promoting peace and love and harmony and understanding uh, amongst all of our fellow brothers and sisters here in the diaspora as well as in Nigeria. So. I definitely want to say, just want to say thank you again uh, as well to Obaletu uh, and uh, to the Oni of Ife for their support and for their recognition and also believing in our community here uh, to give us the support to continue to do this work and uh, to do things in a good way, you know, to be able to be of service of humanity. So it's a blessing. You know, we're very grateful for that. Absolutely. So that means now with the connection to Africa mm -hmm. and America, 
we are now going to have something special. There was something that uh, I think you are going to be establishing in in the ELA. In the future, I hope to, that we can have some communities and set up some places of worship and temples and things like that in, you know, back home as well. You know, a lot of people from Nigeria, from the motherland as well, contact me here. You know, they'll contact me through my webpage and things like that to express an interest in Ifa, Oisha, Isheshe, you know, things like that. And so we want to be able to, you know, continue to keep people connected and have a place where uh, you know, people at home as well, you know, are able to connect with us and with our temple community. We have some good Babalaos, good Orisha priests and priestesses that are part of our community in Nigeria as well, from Oshogbo and Ife, you know, all throughout mm -hmm. Nigeria. And so we want to work on eventually being able to break some ground and have some places of worship where people can gather together uh, in a temple in Nigeria. So there's a lot of temples there as well. Perfect. We're hoping to be able to see a temple there as well amongst the community to be able to help uplift the people and do things in the right way. Perfect, perfect. So the first time you had come on our show, we mm -hmm. had formed an alliance here in Canada and United States, as yeah. well as uh, Mexico and um, with regards to South America, with regards to Danielle. Is that not right, Jean Jerome? And um, it's a long-standing, long-standing alliance between different temples and study groups. Yes, in total Absolutely. over twenty babalaos and growing uh, worldwide Absolutely. in Spain. In, in England, in Canada, in the U.S., in Mexico, uh, in Nigeria, and uh, basically also with Baba or Bokono Daniel Dafoji and the Voodoo Fa Temple he has in Uruguay. He was initiated again in Abome. And uh, with Ifa World Conference, again, as I mentioned, with Baba Nelson, with all the for re doing mm -hmm. research and uh, you know, continuing the, the exchange of knowledge and information and recording of the traditions so that they can you know, continue, not just for our generation, but for future mm -hmm. generations. No, I think that's totally, totally important. So now that we've got sort of, well, I guess kind of, we got the world covered, wouldn't you say, <laughs> Baba Fasaye now, as far as you thought it's concerned? <laughs> We're getting there, no things growing. That's awesome. I love that. I think that's amazing. So how does that make you feel? I bet after all these years, this coming to the fruition and getting the confirmation, how does that make, make you feel? When did you first hear about that, the confirmation? Uh, I think it was maybe a few months ago. It was uh, when my my, my Ape in, uh, in, in in Nigeria, he went uh, on our behalf to go and to collect the letter and things like that. We had been told by uh, by by Obalesu that everything had been completed. They you know sent us some information, let us know that everything had been done. But now thing was we'd met all the necessary qualifications of what was necessary mm -hmm. in order for things to be you know in balance and and done according right. to traditional rights. And then uh, right. I received the phone call. I spoke with with uh, with, uh, with Obalesu and some of the other members of the Obatala family as well, and with my scene. You know, it's a good feeling. You know, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of energy, it's a lot of effort. You know, obviously that goes into something like this. It's not something anybody can do alone. It's not something that I just no. I can say it. It's by my by my own by my own trust, by the grace of Oludamare and the grace of Obatala, Obatasa, Obatarisha, uh, and, and, and Onile. It's by the grace of the Arishas that this was able to be made possible. 
So, you know, we yeah. just have to give thanks to our ancestors and give thanks to our creator for, for making yes. it possible to do things like this. No, I think that that's amazing. It really is. So now with this being established, mm -hmm. what is it that you're going to be able to do here in America that you can also do in Africa? Can you give us a little bit about that without, you know, exchanging yeah. any kind well, of... Uh, you know, we're going to continue doing what we've been doing. You know, the name of our temple is Ili Allah Arisha Temple. So that basically means the Arisha White House, you could say, roughly. <laughs> Because worshippers of Obala, the Orisha, the Orisha Vatican, more like the Orisha Vatican. <laughs> That's a good one. So you can say it as the Orisha Vatican, <laughs> like said here. So you know we're going to continue to do and promote the worship of Orisha. You know Batala is considered to be the father. You know he's the father of all the Orisha, and so you know all things come through him. And so we're going to continue to promote Obatala. We'll be continuing doing, you know, Obatala initiations. We've just initiated a few other people recently uh, into the priesthood of Obatala. And so we're grateful that they've completed their necessary rites. And, of course, I've let our community back home know that we brought some new people into the fold of Obatala right. as well. So we're going to continue to do that, initiating priests and priestesses. You know, right. we're looking for people who have talent and skill, people who want to do things in a good way, people want to work together and build community. To be leaders and things like that that we can continue to branch out and have opportunities to be able to go to different temples and places like that to promote fellowship to promote brotherhood mm -hmm. sisterhood and things of that nature of course we do ifa as well you know we do we do ifa initiations and rituals and things of that nature you know all these things are they're all one you know that's why we call isheshe isheshe is traditionalism yeah. right so it's all these things so we're going to promote things as we've been doing hopefully expanding a little bit more working on completing my book and getting that finished as well. So, you know, by you know, by early next year, we'll be looking at uh, the release of uh, my first publication that will be covering mm -hmm. all numerous travels back and forth throughout West Africa and just sharing, you Wonderful. know, perspective behind how we're doing things here and some tips of how people can use this tradition to grow here in the diaspora. Right. Things are a little bit different than they are in Nigeria. But we're still the same people, so we just want to try to build some bridges right. of understanding to see what our com what our what things we have in common. Those are things we need to be building on is our common right. interest, you know, things of that nature. Right. Are so we, are we able to ask questions? Oh yes, go ahead, Bolin. Yes. So Kadesi. <laughs> Obaki. Yes. So I, I just wanted some. I wanted some clarity. Yes. In terms of the the uh, uh, in terms of your enthronement. Yes. Vis-a-vis -vis how it works back home in Nigeria. Uh -huh. So, for instance, uh, even when the Oni was ordained or when he was enthroned, then. sorry, he had to get a staff of office from the government of the state yes. before it was official. Man. But I'm, uh, I'm trying to imagine that your uh, kingdom or your kingship is a spiritual one. Many, yes. From the, yeah, so from the Oni, being the Arole of Odudua, being the high priest. Yes. You know, because according to history, from what we understand, hmm. you have the Alafi, you have the Awujale, you have the uh, Alake, you know, all these paramount kings. 
Yes. But the Oni is the high priest. Yes. But because the Ifa religion is what every you know the, the community relied on, the Oni had to be elevated into the status of a king because he had all the spiritual powers. Yes. You know, the descendant of Odudua is like you know uh, a representation of Odudua on earth. Yes. So it's like a pope, so to speak. So the Man. pope having the same power as a president yes. is what the Oni is. Hence, why is a king? You know. So yes. I'm in my understanding, you being a king is as a result of you being a high priest. Man. Hence, why you probably don't need the government of Ocean State, the governor, to give you a staff of office before your kingship is valid because it's a spiritual kingship. Man. Am I right, KBAC? That's correct, Manny. That's correct. What you're saying, Baba, is true. It's true. You know, I started off as Baba yes. uh, and of course, I'm still uh, Baba Lao. So I started off initiating to initiated to Ifa right. and you know, and then traveling throughout different places and receiving, you know, different titles and appointments. And then later on, you know, becoming Obarisha for Obatala. So it's a spiritual title. You know, of course, like you said, there's a difference between political Oba ship rulers of town and things like that, like Alafin and other Obas, the Oba of Lagos and many others. You know, they're rulers and spiritual leaders of the town. And then, of course, we have those who are Obas in spiritual titles. So like king and priest, like the Oni is a, is a king priest. So he, you know, every every day of the year, there's always, you know, there's always some festival going on in Ife. There's some worshiping of the sure. deities and things like that. And so that's part of the Oni's responsibility. Okay. And so that's, that's so the same. You. Yes. Thank you, Kabezi. So I wanted to establish that so, I could, make some so I could make some observation. Mm -hmm. uh, as we proceed, because I'm very happy about what's happened. I feel like this is the kind of uh, uh, move that needs to be made. But my observation is sometimes even the custodian of this faith, they do it a lot of disservice. Because I've, I've, I've witnessed situations where His Royal Majesty has also kind of made this Ifa religion second class to mm. the Christian faith. Mm. You know, straight mm. from Ikbebi, straight from the forest, straight to a church, falling down prostrate. And people say, why has our high priest gone to church to bow to Jesus? And he said, I recognize the king of all kings. So those kind of statements, yes, without without disregarding anybody's faith, of as course. an Ifa devotee, I feel like that's like Pope Francis <laughs> going to the mosque. Yes, I understand. And saying he accepts Allah as superior to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Or the or the or, or the or the king of Saudi Arabia going to the Church of England. Mm -hmm. And saying that it prefers Jesus, he accepts that Jesus is superior to the Prophet Muhammad. Yes. So for me, to have the high priest, the Arole of Odudua, the person who probably you know issued the certificate that you have, yes. go to the go to a church right here in England, 
in many occasions leading the choir, singing songs like Jesus is my father. I'm thinking, I thought Oromila is your father. Yeah. I thought you are the descendant of Odudua. Here you are with a microphone saying Jesus is your father. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit confused. Yeah. So why I say that, why I have to bring this up, because this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, segment. <laughs> I feel like we need to get into it very quickly. KBC, some of yeah. the job that you have, yes, especially in the diaspora communities, we need to address this aspect of making our faith look like we're doing something wrong. Danny, I understand you. There's this, there's this feeling that there's something not right about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so we need to quickly get that information out there very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, that being a devotee of this religion does not make you an agent of Satan. Of course. Because of course. I, I feel like there's, the, there's that problem in Nigeria. So, but then the good news is the diaspora community, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, uh, you know, it's a very uh, robust one. It's very lively. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. why I made mention of uh, an, an IFA, a Vatican of IFA. Like at some point when we get to a point where our temples, our places of worship is Absolutely. yeah accessible, it's right there. Everybody can come in the same way you walk into any Pentecostal church or Absolutely. any mosque. You know that you can walk into an Ifa temple and not feel like there's somebody watching you and you want to sneak in without anybody seeing you. Because from my experience, when people need help, when they feel like, oh my God, I can't handle this, they find the Babalawo in some corner. <laughs> you know, yes. It's a hidden spot. That's true. You know what I mean? Because obviously in Nigeria, the temples <laughs> don't have marble floorings and no. massive pillars like the churches do. That's true. And because mm -hmm. these this Babalawos are not necessarily looking for cash or driving a Bentley, Mm -hmm. So they're constantly looking perverished whenever you find them in Oshogbo, in Ife, in Abeokuta, wherever you go, they look poor because it's not money they're looking for. Yes. You know what I mean? So yeah, I it feels like so it always feels like when people really need this kind of backing or support or some spiritual uh, 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 backing, they will find these guys, whatever they have, they do whatever they want to do, but oftentimes in secret. So it feels like I don't want to be seen to be doing this, but I will do it though because I need all the support that I can get. Let me find that Babalao in that corner, mm -hmm. do the prayers, do the the, the the whatever, and then go back, you know, back into broad daylight. So that gives an impression like we're doing something that's not right. That's so I feel like at some point, some of the job, some of the task ahead, KBAC, especially yeah. in the diaspora community. Yes. is to make our faith wide open and to address all the elephants in the room. Man. You know, all the all the dialogue, all the narratives that has demonized our faith yes. and our tradition, all those things that has made it look like these are Satan's people. Mm -hmm. We need to address it quickly, you know, through dialogue, you know, religious conversation, all this kind of stuff and events 
things like that. I know we don't evangelize uh, in our faith. Man. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. But <laughs> since we live in this era where we need information, I feel like yeah. this is some of the work that we need to do. But also, when you go back to Nigeria, the custodian of this faith back home, they need to be up and doing. You cannot call yourself the vicar of Odudua and be going to other religious homes and undermining the faith that you represent. Somebody will need to have a talk with the people who are the custodian of this faith. And just like I said, Pope Francis would not go to a mosque and say that it feels like the Prophet Muhammad is superior to Jesus. It would not do that. It will show respect, but it yeah. will not lead the prayers yeah. in the mosque. And neither will the King of Saudi Arabia come to the Church of England and, and, and do anything as a, apart from just show respect. Mm -hmm. So for me, for the Arole of Odudua to be leading songs in the church with the lyrics saying, Jesus is my father, I, I have an issue with that. If you know that you want to be a Christian, then be a Christian. That's great. But if you're going to be the Arole of Odudua, the high priest of the Ifa religion, you cannot do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is, wow. I've heard Absolutely. a lot of about this throughout the years. I know, you know, I mean, this is posted a lot of times on different forums. I've seen many people back home comment about feeling, you know, feeling as if uh, uh, many people in Nigeria have you know, expressed feeling uncomfortable, you know, seeing the only, you know, to be prostrating and things like that. I, I know, you know, there's many pictures. Mm -hmm. This is a secret. Of course, we've seen things like this published and things like that uh, with, you know, different prostration and prayers and things of that nature. You know, I believe it's the, I believe it's it's his imperial majesty's intention to promote brotherhood and understanding with all the different faiths and things like this. You know, we always have to be careful, of course, you know, how we go about doing things, you know, how we go about interacting in different spiritual communities. And there is a lot of challenge. Of course, uh, you know, within even with any thought, you know, there's places in Nigeria, you know, where sometimes it's difficult for people that have their children go to school because people maybe see their child wearing some beads from Ifa or, you know, Orisha, you know, things like that, or Tutopon, different things that they ah, we don't we don't want anything to do with that. And so there's challenges with that. And of course, you know, with translating the Bible into Yoruba, we know that there was great errors when they translated Eshu as Satan, because we know that Eshu doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with that. It doesn't have anything to do with Satan, which is the Western belief that's, that's their own uh, portrayal as the devil or something that is a, a negative entity that's out to, to create hardship for humanity. You know, Yoruba people, we don't really have a concept of their being yeah, like that. There's no word for that. And so we know that that's misrepresentation. Right. And so there's been a lot of campaigns throughout Nigeria with many Baha'u'llahs, many people in the tradition who've been out campaigning and shirts and things that for years about Eshu not being Satan. So in my own opinion about things of this nature, I think education is the key. I think we need to spend a lot of time really educating people about what is Isheshe, what is Orisha, what is Ifa. You know, and to also know that, you know, as African people, we have our own dignity. You know, we have our own we have our own grandeur to be able to hold our head high. 
There's no reason that we need to be doing things behind closed doors or feeling ashamed because of what we're because we're not doing anything wrong. You know, there's many other beliefs out there. If you're Muslim, they do their own rituals and things, or maybe they use some animals and things like that for their own sacrifice and prayers, and then they eat. The same thing happens inside of Judaism and things like that. But when we come into Ifa, into Ishtar, you know, things sometimes, uh, you know, like you said, and I've seen this in Nigeria myself firsthand. You know, at nighttime, you know, sometimes maybe people go to see Babalao <laughs> behind closed doors. Oh, Baba, Boroboye, ah, can you make this elbow for me? You know, and things of that nature because they want assistance with whatever's going on in their life, but they don't want to be identified as being around Isheshe. They don't want anybody to know that they're in Ifa. <laughs> and so that's something that we have to work on. I think those things begin with having pride in ourselves and our own dignity of who we are as African people. We still are suffering from the, you know, from, from, from the trauma of what has happened when Western civilization has collided with African culture and African civilization as well in Nigeria. You know, there was a documentary that came out. I forget the name of the documentary right off the top of my head. There's a documentary on Netflix. You might've seen it. That was talking about how many. So you, you probably saw it. They talked about how Nigeria came to be called Nigeria and many things of that nature. And it was very enlightening. Niga, Niga area. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, you can't, you know, things like that. We ha and, and they talked about other countries in Africa, when in the continent of Africa, when the Europeans came there and gave them their own name, that when they later reclaimed and, and took over the government, they changed the name back to a mm -hmm. name that gave honor and pride. And yet for whatever reason, and I don't pretend to have an answer to knowing why, we're still using a name that was used as a way of demeaning us as a people. You're calling Nigeria the nigger area and things like that. That's that's demeaning. And so I, you know, I'm well, saying. Well, well, look at my surname. Yeah, I understand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a story there. Wow. So my my great granddad brought the Catholic faith to our village. Hmm. So they baptized him and gave him Job, J-O-B. Wow. And that's the name he adopted. But the family name is called Kujeiro. Kujeiro means death, let this one be. Wow. Death, do not touch this one. So it's a powerful wow. name. But in the last three, four generations, they've been that name and we bear Job. So my grandfather added M-A-C, because he's a bit, you know, it was just cool like that. He wanted to be <laughs> a, a bit different. So yes. Mark, meaning son of Job, Mark Job. Wow. Oh, wow. But you know, he, he walked. He and his friends they walked for three days from Ijebu in southwest Nigeria, Ogun mm -hmm. State, to Lagos State to go and meet the representation representative of the Pope to say. Come to our community. I will give you land. Come build a church in my community. Because he was a rich guy. He has it was a cocoa farmer. He exports cocoa. So he had a lot of cash. So because he brought the faith to the land, they really appreciated that and they baptized him and gave him that name, which he cherished. You know, so again, you can see the colonial influence. Absolutely. Hence what hence why I have this. Uh, certainly. Interesting. Wow. Interesting.
I think, you know, I, and, and it's what you just said speaks to, I, I, I've been speaking about this for some time, for years I've been saying this, that, you know, in the diaspora as well as in West Africa, we're still suffering from the, you know, the trauma and, and, and the effects of colonialism. There's still the a legacy, lot. Of, the legacy of colonialism. Hey, absolutely. It's absolutely a legacy. I mean, and even the documentary we were speaking about is there's still statues in Nigeria where you have those that were deeply involved in suppressing our people, the colonizers, that their statue is still in our homeland. And they've erected absolutely. that. You know, that's like the same as being here in America where you have these Confederate, these Confederate generals and you see yeah. their statues in our community and you have people here in America that want to have this big argument, oh, we don't want to get rid of this, we want to keep this, and, and so on and so forth. You know, those types of things affect how you see yourself. It affects your Absolutely. own image and your own pride. And when those things have been steeped and in, in really been hammered into your consciousness for a long time, those types of things cause you to end up having, you know, low self-esteem, you know, it's self-hatred. Yeah. A lot of self-loathing. If, if you look at, yeah, but Kabis, if you look at Nollywood, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a microcosm of the Nigerian uh, uh, society. If you look at their movies, every time there's an issue of good and bad, the Babalawo will represent evil and the pastor will represent good. It's true. The pastor wins 10 out of 10 times. Every time. And you see it, and the then Ifabalao go to become converted into Christianity, and he now goes yes. to worship and he leaves Ifa behind. Absolutely. Or he dies. They will Man. call Jesus from their living room. They will call blood of Jesus in their living room. The Babalao will die in his shrine. That's true. And that's a, and that's a movie made by Yoruba people. Yes. You know, oh. about their own faith and culture mm -hmm. and tradition so it's a big issue so it's a learned behavior that we need to start to unlearn but like you rightly said kbsc is education but from a journalistic standpoint it will be a case of how do we do the education because a lot of people would not yes. pick up books to read so there's not a lot of time to read anything but they do consume content documentaries films they will watch that. Yes. So I feel like uh, the creative industry might be a way into it. Do you know what I mean? A typical story. I've been saying this yeah. for some time. What you're saying, <laughs> it's like you, it's like you were here in the in the room. When we were talking about this years ago. I've been saying, you know, film, media, things of this nature. We need to be able to have some things because yeah. you know everybody in Nigeria doesn't read or write, even amongst Babalawos and people inside of Ishe. It's not everybody that is fluent in those things and just across the board, everybody. But if you put something on TV where you can see it and these yeah. things can be discussed, there's so, so many things I've gone to Nigeria and talked with people there about the history of things and, and even our people there, some things they don't know. They don't know why they've been doing it that way. So, ah, bye -bye. Why do you do it like this? Why do you use so-and-so, so-and-so? Why are you using this word? Oh, no, baba, it's just what we've always done. I said, no, baba, but that's not, that can't be so because this, here, this word here, this thing is not indigenous to Yoruba. This is from the European people. This is from the British. And we've taken it and adopted it into our own culture. And we've made it our own. And we've done that with so many yeah. things that we can't tell yeah. what belongs to us and what were things that came from our oppressors. We can no longer tell. Absolutely. 
because they've all become enmeshed in one another. You understand? Yeah. So I was thinking, Gabi, like using creative means mm -hmm. to help the process as well. I mean, yes. if I watch your life story on a Nollywood movie, it might be quite intriguing. You know, this American dude who just found faith <laughs> and then went all the way. So lost his Jordans, threw away his chains and his baggy jeans and then found his way to a showboat. That's an interesting Nollywood movie. It yes. might inspire a couple of people to become curious about the faith. Because we're used to watching the story differently of how the Ifa is the dirt and then it gives way to Jesus and everything is good. And all of a sudden, here's this guy in America doing really good, but looking for something. And then he finds Oludumare or he finds Obatala and drops yes. everything and his, and his fancy life in, in, in New Jersey and makes yes. it to a showboat walking around in, in, in flip-flops, you know, fetching water from the from the well, having his head shaved. Just <laughs> all, interesting all, all like that. that. It's like you're telling I my story that. <laughs> It's true. Yes, obviously, that we would do something. We have to change the narrative. And we need, we do to, need to change it. Stories. I think that's, I actually think that's a, I think it's a cool thing. To, I, I love, love it. To, I would love to see let's, something. Let's, let's do that. Let's do, do that. I think. <laughs> If I make it so, wow. if I make it to be able to do that, because I yeah, believe that's a, that would be a hit on Netflix. That would be a hit on Netflix. Oh I, no, kidding! Absolutely, because I haven't. You know, seen, I've had people ask me for years. Ah, Kabisi, how is it you came to Ifa? How is it you came to Ishiche? <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it surprised me a long time ago because I have you know page and people from Nigeria would contact me. To get into Ifa and things, and I said, "Why are you calling me here? I'm here in America." And what I said, because so many of our people, we have so much shame around this and whatever, and we don't want to feel that way about that. We want to have us. We want to see more of our story being told about who and what we are as a people, and 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 have pride in that. And I think, and I believe that's part of my responsibility as well. Of course, being in this position here in America, we're uniquely placed to be able to tell these stories about. Even you know, going back home and connecting with the tradition of our forefathers and our ancestors, and wanting to bring this wisdom back into not only in, in America but also back in West Africa as well. I think we have a responsibility when you receive things like this to also give back, to give back home, not just to take and you know, people do they go gobbling and taking these things and they take it back home and they don't give anything to support the community to let people to to be raised up. And to be able to see themselves in a good light, I think something like this would allow for more people in West Africa and people here to be able to see the pride in themselves and say, "Wow, you know, this is something that belongs to us and our own son." That you know, that's one of my names. That one of my one of the Kabiasis gave me was was Omowale. The the son is returned home. So that's one of my names. So Omowale, our son has come home. That's a powerful name. You're saying is you're, you're speaking the truth, you know. You're you're saying yeah. what part of my spiritual mission has been told mm -hmm. to me. This is the type of thing that both uh, Mulan and uh, Baba Fasi are talking about. This yeah. movie just recently yeah. came out through Bollywood called Yahoo Babalao. It created an outrage among traditionalist uh, Babalaos and in, in Nigeria because the the, the basically the uh, the argument was how would it how would it feel if this title was Yahoo 
imams yeah. or Yahoo rabbi or Yahoo priest or Yahoo, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, pastor or whatever you want to use as a term. And, but this is, in Spanish, we say there is no worse uh, splinter than the one that comes from the same wood. And you have to do a lot of work in terms mm -hmm. of the mainstream of society. One of the biggest problems that Nigeria has had in terms of Ifa, Orisha, is that it has remained at the margins of society. And because it, its strength and its longevity, because of its oral traditions, has actually been a cause for its demise and its weakening in the mainstream and in other countries and in its own nation. Because it's always marginalized. And that is something that the only way you can combat it is that one well, said we don't in Ifa, we're, we're not evangelists. We don't go around, you know, basically saying convert, 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 convert. But what we can do through shows like we're doing now, through yeah. education, through initiate, through different means, is to speak the truth and to educate. It is through education and the ability to communicate and to convey a cohesive message a cohesive message which is grounded in history, which is grounded in reality, not in a make-believe you know make -believe world that a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of practitioners believe that this, what we practice, is it lives in. And the moment that they step out of their homes, the moment that they step out of their temples, they adopt a mantle of, as we said, uh, colonialism, a mantle of slavery, mental slavery, and mm -hmm. a denial of their own faith. I cannot tell you how many practitioners I see that hide their eleki, you know, they like, or, or they hide their ideas. We talked about earlier, uh, you know, in Nigeria, in Ashley, in Yoruba, in many schools, when the kids go to school, being told you can't come into the school because you have an ide of Ifa, or you have an Ide of Orisha, or you have a bead in their own country, leading to El Buibun uh, and his sons to actually even do a video campaign saying, shame on you. Shame on you. That in your land, in the land of the Orisha, in the land of the Irumali, in the land of your ancestors, that a foreign belief system, Christianity, which is a colonial-based uh, belief system like Islam is that basically imposes its belief system on, on indigenous belief systems. How dare you discriminate against your own people and your own belief? That is the root of the, of the problem. And quite often, you know, that's why we've tried through, through education, through setting an example by showing that following Orisha does not make you obsolete. By following Orisha does not make you uh, backwards. By following Orisha does not make you superstitious. No. But to bring out the fact that Ifa, Orisha, is a spiritual science, that it represents the wisdom of Olodumari and the expression and the collective wisdom of our ancestors through generations. No matter what the color, no matter what the tradition, that is the message that you know we have to convey. And we have to stop 
one of the things we have is the infighting that often occurs between traditionalists, between diaspora, between inside the traditionalists of different factions or groups. Because in division, there is weakness, right? Absolutely. We say, union is strength, yet we don't practice it. We are more enthralled by, by showcasing or, or holding up a builder. We have the truth. We have the power. We have it rather than reaching out as a, as a community, as a collective to say, Absolutely. we have to defend the future of our children. We have to defend the future of our communities. We have to have a voice. If you, are, you have no voice, you have no power. And if you have no power, these belief systems are always hanging by a thread. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what so I was going to say. No, Teresa. So what I was going to um, lead to was, of course, like our podcast, you know, and um, reaching out to people of different faiths, but also really representing Ifa through our ancestors. And I mean, well, look at John Jerome and I, we're white people. And here we are practicing an African spiritual religious belief system. And this is something that I think is very important. And it should be, I would say it should be broadcast into Africa. That's part of that education. I think that that's important. I love your idea, Bolin, of doing a movie and, and doing something like that would just sort of, you know, that grabs people's interest. But I think everyday simple things like a podcast like this, which leads me to what you yourself has done is actually, if I'm not mistaken, purchased your own radio station. Um, you are created, a BBC journalist. Create, yes, I created my and own station. Hmm. Absolutely. Now, this is something that you know, is a perfect venue for you to be able to not just broadcast to the UK, okay, but is there some sort of way that this could be brought into Africa? Like our show and also you syndicating this, could, could something like that be, you know, established like a link so that, you know, people can sit down on a Friday, much like what we're doing here now, and really learn about the Orisha tradition. What do you think? 110%, that's already on the walks. The moment the radio became live, because it's, it's online and it has an app, so, and I realized that I can reach the entire world. The first thing I did was got in touch with Baba Jerome to say, I want IFA content on my radio. This is my stuff. And I want IFA content on it. And then he told me about Ancestral Eyes, to say you can syndicate our program until we've got over 30 episodes already done so right now i've recorded two uh of your episodes the the the, the past shows i've recorded two because i want to make it like a concise 45 minutes so i have to put my producer hat on and listen and edit it appropriately and then just have the the entire series and promote it on social media so that people can come to the station every Friday and, and listen. But also, it can be taken on the road. You know, we can take this show on the road. And once it's yeah. established, we could create events. You know, I can do interviews. 
as a presenter or find somebody to present the program, interview Kabiesi uh, or by Fagbemi, interview yourself, Teresa, interview John Jerome, just raising issues. There's so many mm -hmm. topics, you know, so many topics, uncountable topics about this faith that yeah. we can have a chat about. You know, prior before yeah. I joined the BBC, I used, to, I used to do a program with the European Union and it's called uh, uh, Interreligious Dialogue. Mm. And uh, I remember there was a, there was a, a scenario in, in um, Norway. It was a scenario in Norway. There's a hijabi young woman of Moroccan heritage, but she lives in France. And so they had this, uh, this program that we call the fishbowl. You know, you see, and it was just strange. So they gave us a, a topic and you have to discuss it, <clears throat> that um, it was supposed to be about being inclusive. Being mm -hmm. inclusive, you know, black, gay, right, straight, disabled, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. And so the sentence was, if you are religious, you cannot be inclusive. So if you get your moral indoctrination from a Bible or Quran, you know, like for example, you cannot be totally inclusive because the words are very clear within these two books, at least, about homosexuality as an example. And I remember that it created quite a debate but because the the house rules were were clear, no disrespect, no disrespecting right. of the religion, but we right. need to know that we are going to have difficult conversations amongst ourselves. So Absolutely. we're not going to get touchy, you know, or uppity about anything. Mm -hmm. But we need to have this chat, mm -hmm. and so it was quite an interesting chat to say, would you? So there were lesbians within this grouping there were gay people because it was supposed to be an inclusive project so mm -hmm. people were selected i came in to take the black box there's a three of about two or three of us that were black mm -hmm. so you could tell that this is the most inclusive gathering we had a couple of disabled people also people with learning disabilities so it was quite a grouping and so the people that were you know uh, gay within the forum also had the chance to say right do you accept me i remember this young lady saying I accept you, even though I don't approve of your lifestyle. So, you know, like playing with words. And she's like, what do you mean approve? Why do you mean to approve of who I am? This is right. who I am. And she's right. like, I love you. I respect you. But this is what the book says. This is what the book says. And these are the words of the prophet. I hold this dear to my heart. So you could see that it was a very difficult situation, right. but because right. this conversation needed to be had, we had Absolutely. it, you know, people moved grounds a bit, people held their grounds, but we made sure that we, we, you know, the communication was clear from the onset, like, guys, we are going to have difficult conversation, but please, mm -hmm. we, we are going to remain so, yeah. friends. We're going to be very respectful when we talk. Nobody should be offended, please. We're trying to learn and we're all trying to grow together. I thought it was a success. There was a lot of tension. Some people cried, but I felt like it was a conversation that needed to be had.
none of this hiding behind rhetorics. You know, it was like, you cannot say you're inclusive when you refuse to accept somebody's lifestyle. You know, you know so I feel like I digress. So back to us, mm -hmm. we also need to have that conversation. I personally have had a journey, you know, in my mm -hmm. family. So I was born into a very Catholic home. Mm -hmm. So my, my uncle's an archbishop, archbishop emeritus, you know? So it's a huge Catholic family. I've got cousins who are priests. I've got cousins who are monks. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got siblings who are Pentecostal mm -hmm. pastors, wow. you know? So that's wow. the kind of home I come from. And I'm, I walk around with this beat and this, you know, and my siblings are not exactly chuffed. So the, when I first got it, I was, I was hiding it. I would hide it. Do you know, when I go to see my mother, my mother was the first president. Well, she's still alive. She's the first president of the Catholic Women Organization of the Diocese. Catholic Women Organization, she's the president of the diocese. And mm -hmm. her son is walking around with an Obatala beads. That's a, that's, a big, that's a big issue. So whenever I go mm -hmm. to see her, I wear long sleeve shirt to cover my beads. And then one day, I just pulled it back. And then she was like, what's this? And I said, that's my Obatala beads. That's, that's what that is, you know, and then slowly but surely, as I continue to find confidence in my faith, you know, because mm -hmm. it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. And then as soon as I started to grow and have confidence, you know, in the Orishas, in the things that I profess, and I said to my brother, I said, do you feel any bad spirit in me right now? You are stood in front of me. You're the one that's a Pentecostal. Do you mm -hmm. feel... If, if I was Satan right now, or I had Satan vibes, you should feel it. Like the Exorcist movie. We, we grew up watching the Exorcist movie. We saw what happened when evil and good were in the same building. Evil crashed through the window or something. I said, come on. Do you not feel like your brother is still right here in front of you? Do you not feel love <clears throat> radiating between the two of us? So how can you, even for one second, assume that I have foul spirit within me. I have the spirit of God in me via the traditional religion of our ancestors. You be a Pentecostal all you want. This is who I am. I have not changed. And the spirit that I have is the spirit of good. And so we just carry on related. I know, you know, sometimes they want me to say, oh, I've given my life to Jesus, all that kind of stuff. I know that's what they want in their heart, and I understand, but there's only so much explanation you can give, you know? I, so, I mean, I, I traveled the world, I went to the Vatican, I went to, I went on, you know, the, like the journey of Paul. I went to Ephesus, I went to Thessaloniki, I went to Col I went to Corinth, just enjoying, just seeing stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, this is where Paul came. Oh, yeah, this is the part where Paul picked up a snake right. and shook it yeah. and he fell into the fire. Oh, wow, so this is Malta. All right, this is where the shipwreck happened, you know? So yeah. and it's like it's interesting to see that everybody was do is doing their own thing. You know, whenever I go to Europe, I see huge churches, huge cathedrals. That's their thing. That's what they do. And I feel like when I'm in Africa, I want to see my Ifa temple. 
you know, and I want to see my religion flourishing. I don't want a situation whereby I'm extending what I've seen in Rome and Greece, and then they're bringing it back to my community, and then my tradition has just vanished. Absolutely. I'm sorry I digressed. No, not at all. Not at all. I think that's very important. I, I, I think it's it's me, myself, looking back at my ancestral roots, and I'm looking back at my Slavic pagan roots. This is pre-Christian, too. You know, it's important to know these things because, you know, I know the Catholic within our family and how we celebrate it is different from other Catholics. But what is it? What makes it different? It's something that we have inherited from our own ancestors. And this is important. And I think that we should all have that ability to be able to tap into our ancestral worship and our ancestors and not feel ashamed of that regardless because we've got caught up in in popular abrahamic religions all of us have and we've all come from that i mean i know you know i was baptized as a catholic myself and at a young age i decided to walk away from it because i just thought i'm tired as a woman being looked upon even as a young child what are my life goals? Oh, great. I get to be only a mother, you know, and that's it. There is nothing else in between. Well, what about me going out and discovering myself? My religion doesn't give me that ability. Yet there's all these different gods and deities within my own, you know, Slavic background Slavic. that yeah. expresses that, you know. And I know that within Ifa. I mean, we have these wonderful Orishas, these female, strong females. And this is important. I think it's important for all of us to be able to tap into our ancestral roots and allow our spiritual journeys to begin from something that lies deep within ourselves. And I think we need to do that, you know. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it kind of hurts to hear this, that back in Yoruba, the Yoruban people have embraced more of the Abrahamic religions. And I think it's important to turn that around. You know, it's starting. It really is starting. Um, and this is something that, you know, Baba Fasaye has that wonderful opportunity to be able to do that. You know, it makes me stop and think. For years what? is what you're saying. It's exactly, that's part of what we've been having a problem with. I mean, I, and not going to go because what you're saying, it speaks to exactly part of my experience. The first time I went to Nigeria, <laughs> yeah. and I think myself, like many other African Americans, you know, we expect and you know, we hear about, oh, Ifa, Orisha, Isheshe, we're going to Nigeria, we're going to the motherland, the land of our ancestors, to go and to see how we do worship and things like that. And so we're expecting to get to Nigeria, and it's going to be like spiritual Wakanda. We're expecting to be now. I know we see this, this, this exactly. You know, we see this, this, this futuristic, you know, African sci-fi genre. We're expecting to see this, and then instead, the first thing we see, we come, we get at the airport, and we get out, and we see these big banners with this skin bleaching cream and things like this. Oh. 
if you just look more lighter, if you don't look so black, then you know your life will be better and things like and those types of things were some of the first things that I saw and I said, wow. You know, like these these are things that that we 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 work really hard here, particularly African Americans, we're very much conscious about what's happened to us, the trauma of of, of transatlantic slavery and things like that. And so we're expecting we're gonna come back home to Nigeria with 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 woke Africans and everybody's woke. We're all on the same page. We are oh yes, brother, welcome. You know, you're home. Let's yeah. have these discussions. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And instead, yeah. we find that those things are not being discussed, that that's not the case at all. And it's not to say that, you know, learning and doing different things is important, but but these are conversations that we need to be having of is why why is that the depiction of beauty? I, and there's so many people, you may see this Yoruba woman or this man that you see older pictures of them and they were black, black. And then you see them now and you see their skin, it's almost kind of like glowing. It's yellowish because they've done so much of this skin bleach. And this is what's happened of this disease that they put into our minds to think that we're less than, that if you just be like this, if you just look like that, your life can be better and you can have this, you can have that and so on and so forth. And so speaking for myself, that was a major, it was a major disappointment. I come out, I see this, and I had to come back home and I had to take a lot of time to really process this. Like, wow, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, we're gonna be here having these discussions, talking about all these things that have happened to us as African peoples, you know, sharing our experiences, catching up on news, these different things, and talking about what does it mean? I mean, we hear about this when we talk about a room like the black man of Giddy Hill. Like all the Orishas are telling us who they are. They're telling us, I'm the black man of the I am the black woman of this place. They're identifying themselves as such. Not metaphorically speaking, they're saying, this is who I am. And yet mm -hmm. in our own culture back home, we have this, this shame about what it means to be this, what it means to be black, what it means to be in this, in, in, in this vessel. And, you know, even when it comes down to, you know, taking and putting and, you know, this, you know, and, and I hate to say it, but, you know, we, we see so many of our sisters with, you know, different hair weaves and things that we put into our hair. And we don't realize that meanwhile, many of these things that our, our sisters are weaving into their head is things that has been used from even East Indian people and things like that. They use as their ebba. They use it as their own sacrifice. So yeah. they're getting rid of their own EB, their own Oshogbo, removing their and own you're attaching it to yours. You know, you're attaching it to your own Ori, your Eleda. Yeah. And, and, they, and then they start doing and they start doing that. Right, and now you're doing the, you the sisters do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and and, and, and it's not by to make a mockery, but just saying this is the reality of what we're dealing with. Like this, this, this is like this is like self-hexing. You know, the city like Oshay Media talks about self-hexing. So when we're doing things like that and you're praying to your audience, what you think about your position, what you're saying about yourself, what's the inner dialogue, what's the inner conversation that you're having? You're praying and asking for these good things, but at the same time, you're taking something that belongs to you and you're making it your own, and then we're wondering why you're having all these issues and things that's going on in your life. But everything that you do is some form of ritual. Whether it's conscious or not, you get up in the morning, you brush the teeth, you make your breakfast, whatever. It's 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 some form of ritual. 
that we're doing. But we don't think about it consciously. We just go about our day-to-day life oblivious to what's going on and we don't realize the narrative that we're telling ourselves. Are you really uplifting yourself as a person or are you doing things that move you off course from what you need to be doing to what the best you And these, these are conversations that I can't tell you how many times I've been to Nigeria and tried to sit down. Ah, Baba, can we talk about, <laughs> you know, they don't always like to talk about these things. You know, there's certain things. Everybody doesn't want to always, the elephant in the room is just, ah, Baba, you know, let's move on from that. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> you know, but these conversations are important because we can't move forward until we really take a close examination of who and what we are as a people and how we've been impacted in every single aspect. You know, there's so many things, even down to our governance in, in, in the country of Nigeria and things like that. So much of the governance, you see the judges and the magistrates, they're wearing an English wig on their head. You see different crowns, the Ade, that many chiefs in Saudi wear. It's a representation of a wig. Of the English wig, and we say, ah, but this is traditional. We do it, but that's not traditional because none of our people look like that. But we're 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 holding on to these things because we're not taking a close exam. And this is what happens when you're talking about trauma. When people have gone through this level of trauma, you just want to mm-hmm. get to the other end of the story and not look at what's really hurting, hurting people, wounding. You know, it takes time and energy, and you have to consciously. Work at it, and we just want to get to the end of the story and look at what's really going on and how do we get to this place? Why are mm-hmm. we here? I go to the airport, I'm bringing things from Orisha and whatever at the airport, and they're ah, what's this? Ah, what's this? What's this? Ifa, whatever. We want to throw these things away. So this is our own heritage, this is our own culture, and it's these are things that even for me, it's hard to see when you see people. Even if, and, and, and of course, Ifa, we welcome anybody. People who aren't even African have more love, more respect for our own tradition, and they want to come in and get this and practice this. And yet, our own people, we hold it in such low regard. And I think it's like Bolan said: we have to, we have to have places, temples, places that we go where we feel good. About where's what it's not just off in a back alley, off in some Babalao's garage, off in some place secretly where he's doing his ifa and whatever. We need places where we can gather and worship. But like mm-hmm. you know, Jean Jerome said, we have to be able to everybody be at the table, even in ifa. Everybody needs to be able to have a conversation with each other, whether we're different or doing different things, rich, rich things ritually in a different way. We've got to be able to have some connection because we need. We need a common rallying place where we can come together to gather and that people can see this being lifted up. I haven't seen it. You know, there's a few places, Ileife, a few other places. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in Nigeria, but I've seen very few places where you see, you don't see these beautiful temples that have been ornate mm-hmm. and put together very well where people are coming together and worship. There are some. But still mm-hmm. to this day, a lot of what we see is still kind of very quiet. It's in the bush or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Babalawa and you're, you come from Oyo and you go into the city in Lagos, the people see the beat, they won't even talk to the person. Ah, this guy's country, he's a country Babalawa. We don't need to talk to him or whatever. We still, there's, there's so much of this going on. Mm-hmm. We have to really start having these honest conversations. 
behind mm -hmm. how we got to where we're at and what do we do going forward? How do we how do we move forward and and, and heal through these particular things? And it only happens by by naming it. You know, Ifa says in Ikaofun, Ifa says you don't call something red black. You don't call something uh, black red. So you don't misrepresent something to be something that you know it's not. You have to represent things in its true light of what it really is. That means even if you know something is wrong, you don't say, oh, no, it's really okay because of this. And you don't say that something is good and say it's bad. You know, stuff we do read when he fought. We say, don't speak ire and let it be ib. Don't speak ib and let it be ire. We don't want to have you saying this is the truth and it's not. And we don't want something that's not the truth to actually be the truth mm -hmm. because then that means that you're misled. And we can't make good decisions mm -hmm. like what we mm -hmm. need to do. So we do have to talk about these things and we have to name it. If something is not right, we have to name it, we have to bring it out, and then we have to come up with some concrete solutions behind what we can do to advance things and move forward going going from there. Okay, but Kabisi. There's something I wanted to also allude to yeah. while you're on that topic, yes, you know, because I feel like um, we also have to do our homework mm -hmm. from within. Of course. So in my experience, one of the reasons why the faith has so much bad press is ritual killing. Yeah. Ritual murder. Yes. I cannot tell you how many times Babalawos in Nigeria, in Southwest Nigeria, in my community where I come from, I cannot tell you how many episodes we've seen in the news, some that I've even reported on the BBC. Um, ritual killing, harvesting body parts, you know, people's children's heads chopped off. Yes. Crazy, green, vile crime. And yes. the police will parade them with handcuffs in their hand and in their legs and paraphernalia akin mm. to the Ifa religion. So they will literally stack their temple and by the time they trash it, there will be human remains. There'll be shallow graves, all sorts of craziness, mm -hmm. like literally stuff from hell. And so they associate that to the religion because these are pastors and these right. are not imams. Right. So by right. that they say, what is your name? It is handcuff, you say, I am Babalao XYZ. And that's a big problem. So I spoke to my Babalao at the time when I just came into the faith. And I said, well, I have a problem. I have a problem because this, I'm seeing this. It's not like they told me. I've seen scenarios where people have been caught They've let them, maybe they were driving, they got stopped by the police, they opened their boot, they see a severed head of a child, and then all body parts of an albino. And then they put them in handcuffs after beating the living hell out of them. So then you see this guy with swollen face and swollen mouth, and then they say, oh, I'm Babalao XYZ. So what happened? Oh, I'm trying to help them do a charm for prosperity. So then I said to my Babalawo, like, well, what, what the hell is this? You know? And then he was trying to say to me, like, there's Onishebun, you know, like medicine men. There's Babalawo, priests. So, and then I said, right, within this faith, 
we need to do some house cleaning. Because it's not enough for you to say to me, oh, those are Onishegus. We are Babalawas. We are different. No. It's like with Islam. When people say no, those are Muslims. Those are terrorists. Islam is a religion of peace. I said, well, he is reading the same Quran, isn't he? You guys need to have that conversation within the faith. Let those who are ruined, who are spoiling the name of the of the faith, doing terrorist activity, you need to expose them for us. You know, don't don't accuse us of Islamophobia when we say, oh, this happened, that happened. You know, please help us understand why these people are Muslims because they are terrorists where the faith is different. Please, you need to educate us. So I have saying that to my Babalawa to say, well, we need to understand. You can't just tell me now because the guys who listen to the news, they don't know the difference. So mm -hmm. how do we then within this faith for those who are priests, you know, and uh, kings like yourself, how do we then make sure that we clean up this community of, you know, uh, uh, of priests, of Ifa priests, that we don't want a situation whereby every now and again the police will burst somebody's temple, they will sack it, you know, they will literally pick Orisha uh, uh, effigies and just throw them out. You could see stuff on the ground that could probably represent a shoe or mm -hmm. something you could tell like that's what that is they right. literally kick it because in the process of all of that they found somebody's severed head or body parts and then undermine the whole process so i'm seeing things like this and i'm 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 discombobulated so hence that yahoo babalawo concept that's the kind of stuff that inspired those kind of movies because in real time, a lot of people, you know, have dodgy characters who will say to them, oh, I'm a babalawa, I'm going to sort you out, and then fleece them of their cash. That's and that's, the, that's why that coinage was made. That's and there's true. a guy called Naira Mali. He, he did a song, you know, Naira, uh, Yahoo, ni babalawa, ni everybody, like everybody's a thief. Even the babalawa is a Yahoo, you know, like uh, uh, a fraud star. So I feel like um, as we try to get everything right, there's also some house cleaning yes. that needs to be done within the faith, you know, that people, maybe some, some registration, maybe some, I don't know, maybe some vetting process so that just anybody can just say, oh, I'm a babalawa and, and then start charging people cash. You know, I've had stories about people going to meet of Abalao to say they have a problem, and then the next thing they say that oh he tried to rape me. You know, you've had you had so this is what happened when people are trying to say to me, dude, don't worry, you're about to find out. Right now it's plain selling, you're having fun, don't worry. You get to a point where your eyes are gonna open. So people have said that to me, and then they'll give me instances of what happened to them. You know, a female spoke about when somebody nearly raped her, blah blah blah. You, usually, so, usually, usually, what I reply like, in, your your point is very well taken. In any any mm -hmm. belief system or any organized organized faith or professional body, etc., there has to be governance. But governance 
comes from, I mean, we have in our, even our, uh, within the Fa, Ikafun, 16 commandments or essentially guidelines in terms of ethical conduct, which in prison all Babalao should adhere to. But what I find in those particular examples that, that it's interesting that those are used, you know, within Nigeria and all that. I mean, we, if, we, if we open up that Pandora's box and we go into every other belief system and all that, mm -hmm. uh, and we look at the atrocities, atrocities committed by the Catholic Church during the Spanish Inquisition, uh, atrocities committed by the, the church and complicit, complicitness uh, to the uh, kingdoms of Europe in terms of raping, pillaging, and, and taking the lands of the First Nations in the world. If we take and we open that and we look at uh, a girl, young woman mutilation of their female genitalia no. within Islam, or if we look at the ritual marriage of girls that barely are eight years old, have barely even had their period, and is an accepted practice of the belief system, Absolutely. If we look at the, the institutional rape and abuse of young boys with the Catholic Church, if we look at the uh, systematic pillaging, Absolutely. ripping off, and raping of women within pastoral evangelical churches, which is reported Absolutely. across the world, if we open up that, if, if somebody were to say to me for the Fa faith, or if we go, if we really want to take it to the next level, if we talk about uh, whether it be Christian, whether it be white, whether it be Islamic, uh, people in the name, as you mentioned earlier, in the name of Allah or in the name of Christ or in the name of whatever the hell they, they, they concoct, blowing themselves up or creating mass murder in the name of a God or a belief. We go back to the essential problem that it is humanity, the human beings, which are the problem, not so much the belief system. And I would challenge any, and I've had this conversation many times before. When was the last time you saw Babalao strap a bunch of bombs to their vest and go into a, a, a church or, or, a, a, or a, a synagogue or a, a mosque and blow themselves up in the name of Olodumar? So we have to be careful, and I say to these people, especially white or, or within the different indigenous, I don't care what color, creed, sexual orientation, if you come at me with that, you have to be very careful what you say, because in Spanish we say, if you're going to throw stones at the, at the roof of your neighbor, you have to be very careful that yours is not made of glass. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think that self-regulation and self, uh, you know, uh, best st standards and, and, and good governance and all that is good in any situation. But I, I would argue that that is not the reason why the uh, Ifa or any belief system, indigenous belief system, like Ifa, Risa, Vodun, Enkisi, and all that have been maligned. Quite the contrary. Those systems, and even if we look at Cuba, one of the first things that Fidel Castro did when he took power was he outlawed the belief systems of uh, Orisha, Enkisi, the, he, he outlawed the Masons, he outlawed every religious group. 
Why? Not because they were killing people, not because they were having misconduct, but because they represented a existential, a real threat to him being able to have absolute power over the Cuban people. And to and a threat to his doctrine of communism and socialismo o muerte. You were either a socialist who believed only in the communist situation, or it was death. And he's proven that because thousands, hundreds of thousands of Cubans have died trying to exit that island for over 60 years in that type of scenario. Now we transpose to Africa. We have transposed to Nigeria. Okay. What was the first thing that the British needed to do? They needed to break the spirit of the indigenous population. How do you break the spirit of any indigenous population? Is you malign, you demean, and you ridicule, and you suppress their belief system. Because if you do that, and on top of that, you make them kiss the boots of your cross, of your priests, and everything else, you've won, you've won without firing a shot. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's one. Let us not forget the second. The second greatest evil in any belief system, which is greed and money. 80% of the people that have converted to the belief system in Africa has nothing to do with belief or believe, or they believe that, that Christ exists or anything else. Bullshit. The main reason is money. Because if you open up a church, you get money. If you convert your population, you get money. If you open up a mosque, you get money. Let's mm -hmm. not forget that it's because of this and power and greed and jealousy that people switch religions and have switched religions mostly in, in, in West Africa. We had a guest, uh, Utu Witch Doctor, white Scottish mm -hmm. man, a credible journey goes to Mozambique is adopted pretty much because of his drumming in a, and I hope Utu's listening in a, in a town. What does the the town witch witch doctor using the term the, that's the term used or or uh, whatever you want to call it? What does he do? He says to to Utu, "I'm going to teach you. I'm going to pass on my knowledge and my tradition. You know why? Not because he was dying." Not because of any, but because he was opening up a church. And why was he opening up a church? Because he believed in Christ. They believe in life everlasting. Bullshit. Because he believed in this. So, I say to those people, right? Mm -hmm. Be very careful what you say from your mouth. Because if we really, if we really peel the layers of the bullshit and the lies... No one of those other belief systems or people have the moral authority to say anything. But you need to have, I won't say it because we're in a show live, you need to have what you need to have. And if you really believe in what you believe, to stand up and say, you are wrong, this is incorrect, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. If you mm, mm -hmm. close your mouth and you bow, you're done. No, true enough. And I've spoken to priests. I've spoken to see. I've spoken like you have no idea. And Teresa has a witness sometimes. I'm very mild-mannered. 
but somebody pokes or something about Ifa or talks about something which is unjust or improper, mm -hmm. something about Ifa, I have no contemplation and I call mm -hmm. a spade a spade. The biggest mm -hmm. problem is you have to know to defend yourself. In any situation, if you believe, if you practice Ifa or Isha, it is not enough to divine. It is not enough to do Ebbo. You have to do the work. And the work is partly standing up for the belief system and not no matter who's in front of you. And right is right and wrong is wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, what do you believe? You, you said at the beginning, you, co you quoted the Oni. I have every respect for Oni as a spiritual majesty and, and as a, a, a priest king. But as you yourself said, the optics of bowing or going into a temple and saying, hell, Jesus is my father. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. So that, those are the, and it doesn't matter the color of your skin. Because if you see my ancestry DNA, I've got like, I don't know how many countries, 11% of my DNA is from Africa. 2% from Nigeria, 2% from Togo, 6% from Congo, and 1% from Cote d'Ivoire. But in this incarnation, Olodumare made me born in France, of a Cuban mother, and with white skin. But I defend my belief system, even when it's not convenient. And that's what I find. Many times we believe, oh, we're, you know, Shango, Olodumare. But when, when we're challenged, when we're when we're put in front of a situation, oh, we cover, we and we can't do that. Even if it hurts, even if it's our own family, even if it's the president of the United States or, or or whoever it is. And if people see that you stand up, if people see in these show that we, we speak the truth, that we base our knowledge and, and our our discourse based on knowledge, based on the ancestral knowledge. We, we look at an example. How many shows have we had on Ancestral Eyes about neo-pagan beliefs? Here mm -hmm. you have mainly white, Anglo-Saxon, white, well, it, trying to rescue, or, and, and, and European white, whether it be Slavic, uh, Irish, mm -hmm. uh, Norse, you name it, desperately, desperately clamoring Absolutely. to resurrect something. In England, the 1800s, the 1900s, the, the desperation to try to refine and rekindle ancient traditions and everything else. And now everything is, you know, pagan there, pagan that. Okay, we respect. We, I applaud that for the effort to resurrect. The, but how do you explain a tradition like Ifa, Orisa, Nkisi, Vodun from all of Africa, where you have the secrets, you have the oral traditions, you have the unbroken knowledge and wisdom, and we deny it. Or we hide it. Or we cower. And there are many examples of that. We could go on and on. Many, many examples. I part of it in what you said, though why this happens in West Africa is that the truth is, is that it's not an unbroken line of tradition. It was interrupted when we had all these different things that came in 
you know, what uh, what Bolan was saying is true. I've seen that, you know, in terms of human sacrifice. I mean, we've, we've spoken about this <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, many times. I think what you said about the money is definitely a, a big piece of it. You know, people do money rituals and things like that in Nigeria, and they take somebody off into the bush and snuff the guy out in the bush and load him up with a bunch of marijuana and some opium, whatever. Person doesn't even know that they're literally about to be the ebo, that they're going to be the sacrifice, right? And that happens a lot. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, yes, everybody says, oh, you know, uh, you know, Ifa, Rumila outlawed human sacrifice and whatever. <laughs> Yes, the old dude does say that. That doesn't mean that people stop doing it, or that it, or or that it's not as 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 common as it is. You know, part of this is our association with things like death and sacrifice and whatever. You know, a lot of our association with these things is significantly out of balance. You know, and particularly, you know, like if we look at West African Yoruba people, in Ifa, just using Ifa as an example. A lot of the things when you've observed the O'Shea calendar and times of prayer and reverence of different deities and whatever, so if it's worship, worshiping Shango, whatever, then you know on that day, okay, so what are we going to feed Shango? So a lot of the Yoruba people there who are in Isheshe, your, your, your meal for the day is dictated by which deity you're venerating. So if it's Shango, if you have the means, you'll sacrifice rooster, maybe turtle. If you have a little more influence, maybe you might sacrifice Agbo, ram or whatever, whatever you have the capacity, uh, you know, financially to be able to do. And so then the meal be dictated, you know, based upon that. And so a lot of the people and a lot of, you know, the, the people back home, things are, were, were in, in the old days. And, and the way it was set was to follow the, you know, the, the, the calendar. You're looking at the times of seasons and harvest of when all this is happening. Okay, we know this is going to be the yam harvest, so we're going to have these types of foods and this type of things that, that we're going to be bringing out of the earth at this time. So our diet's going to be, you know, based upon that. It's a very agrarian, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle at that time. And then now you move into the 21st century where you have people call from America, people call from around the world, oh, bye-bye, I need this elbow, this and that and the other. So now we're sacrificing and killing, all, and, the, and, and the amount of sacrifice has gone up because the truth is, is that the people back home were in, in Isheche, they're not sacrificing nearly to that degree for themselves because because no one has the means to sacrifice a ram every day. But they call a person on the phone, oh, Ifa says so and so, so oh, Shango is asking for ram, he's asking for this, he's asking for that. Why? Because it's dinner. <laughs> I know I got this guy from the, from the UK, this guy from America, he's got some money and I'm hungry. So, <laughs> You know, the, these things happen is what I'm saying is that when and I'm not saying this to disparage anyone. I'm just simply saying that when 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 we're trying to figure out how we're going to eat, figure out our means for getting to the next place and whatever that now begins to shape, you know, how we see things, because even sacrifice should be done from a place of reverence. Not that you're just killing and killing and killing. But when you're when you spend so much time doing that, you lose your you, you, you lose this that veil of respect for life. And so now it goes from animal to now human. Oh, this person's disposable too, right? There's no problem for him. You know, this guy, he's nothing to bum on the street. Nobody cares about him. He's a lunatic anyway. No one's going to miss this guy if we just pick this guy up, throw him in the back of the truck and take him out. And that's, and, and that's a wrap. So mm-hmm. a lot of this, what I'm saying is, is 
we have to address our association with even with these even with these things around Ebo and sacrifice. But not saying that we shouldn't do it, but there's always been a time and a place for it. It's not just mm -hmm. been going and just massively slaughtering tons and tons and tons. That you only you only took what you needed to eat. But mm -hmm. now things have changed, and so now this Ebo is not enough. So now we need we need we need more Ashe to do this. We need we need you know, this to do that. And we see human sacrifice happening around the world. When you hear on TV that this black man was killed by these police and they sat on his neck and killed him while he was crying out for his mother, that's Ebo. And you hear about these soldiers off in this part of the world that were killed in this war, that's Ebo. Because anytime you're taking human life, who's gaining the power? Somebody's gaining the power from this massive loss, this massive killing of human beings. Unfortunately, this is part of what's happening. And so that's why I keep, you know, I, I always go back to saying we have to look at what we've been doing. We have to ask these questions of why. Unfortunately, we just, you know, it's frowned upon a lot of times, at least in, in, in each and in a lot of traditions. It's not always encouraged to ask questions. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Whatever. And I'm just saying we, we, we have to have a certain respect and, and, and reverence for life. What I don't like is when I see mm -hmm. on Facebook and I see Baba Lawu sacrificing these animals and whatever and making a show of it on Facebook, on TV. For everybody to see on video, oh, here we are. We're going to kill this goat. Oh, we're going to sacrifice this dog. We, do, we don't need to be doing things like that. We need to respect mm -hmm. ourselves. That's not something you put on as a show for people to be seeing and with things like that. Because That's now you're crazy. making reverence. You're making it into entertainment. For people Absolutely. to see, watch me, I'm doing this, and so on and so forth. Those types of things, it's not good. It's not good to be showing that type of thing. Everybody doesn't need to no. see that. You no. know, it's not everything that we need to be doing Ebo like that. You know, Ebo starts with character. <laughs> you know, because Ebo was a deity that Ifa says in Ejogbe, that Ebo was something that Arumula created. That, in other words, a deity, a spirit to be able to carry our prayers from earth to heaven, right? From Aye mm -hmm. to Oum. And that, mm -hmm. that's why we use Ebo. So we have to have a proper understanding about what mm -hmm. these things are. It's not just about mm -hmm. going and killing a chicken. It's not about killing this rooster or whatever. It's not about, obviously, human sacrifice. But those things are abomination. It's about the character of a person. Before you go off and run to find this animal, this rooster, whatever, you need to kill the rooster or whatever this is inside of you. Because otherwise, that means all these things were a waste. But when you make it about money and about getting rich and getting that, you're promising people all these things and whatever else, mm -hmm. and, you know, and you don't respect yourself, then now it's just everybody's disposable. Oh, it doesn't matter if I do this. It doesn't matter if I do it. We see this even here in America. You see people sacrificing all these animals and whatever, and they just throw them in the garbage can. You just out here sacrificing. And we see this on TV. You see this in the news. Ah, this person took and dumped all these animals in a dumpster, and people are like, oh, my God, you know, this and that and the other. Like, we, we need to defend the faith. We need to defend what we're doing. But we also mm -hmm. have to be accountable and tell the truth and say, ah, because otherwise it makes the sacrifice that those who made for us to practice this religion, it makes their sacrifice for nothing. When we're saying, oh, everything mm -hmm. we sacrifice, we eat. Absolutely. But meanwhile, you killed this pig and you threw it off in the bush. Or you threw it off into your garbage can in a community where everybody lives and you polluted the entire community with exposing this waste. Absolutely. We can't, we, we, can't, we can't say that we're doing things in a certain way, but meanwhile, we're not holding ourselves accountable to that.
We should only be taking what you absolutely need in order to live, to take care of your family, to eat and things like that. If you don't need that, then why do the deities need that? <laughs> why do they need, why does Shango need 15 rams? Who's going to eat 15 rams? Because all these things with Ebo was about sacrificing and also feeding the community. It's about yes. giving back, uplifting, okay. raising up your people. Otherwise, what you're doing is like Bolan said, it's just, you know, it's just murder. You're just killing. Yeah. And, and it certainly should never be people. Never. But yes, unfortunately, we do see that. You see people out taking out the bush and this and that. But beyond even killing people, there's also killing people's character, assassinating their character, coming off Facebook. Oh, I don't like this person. Oh, he's rubbish. Mm -hmm. This person's not this. This person's not that. Like you're destroying some. If, if you destroy somebody else's gainful livelihood, if you destroy somebody else's ability to provide for their family, it's no different than putting a knife to that person's neck because you've already killed them. So mm -hmm. we have to we, we we have to look at this on multiple on multiple levels beyond just talking about just that one aspect of what we see with that happening. There has to be accountability, but it's very difficult to do that. I don't. I you know I've been asking this for years. What can be done to have an accountability in West Africa so that we know who's who and whatever? And unfortunately, what I've seen is that it's largely a popularity contest. It's whether or not somebody likes this person. I don't like him. I don't like this person. I don't like her or whatever else. So then whether or not that person is the competent priest or priestess, we're just sitting back here and we're disrespecting people just because of differences of opinion. Because we don't mm -hmm. like this person or whatever. I don't like the way this guy combs his hair. I don't like the way this woman wears her shoes and whatever. Ah, so they're not a real priest. And so mm -hmm. we have to, you know, we have to, I'm just saying, we have to look at these things honestly. You know, this 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 question about how we deal with this, I, I think it's a multi-tiered approach behind how we how we can do it, deal with this. Mm -hmm. I, I think what Jean Jerome said, I think part of it is self-governance. Unfortunately, it's a challenge. If we sit back here and put a rubber stamp and say, Everybody has to meet this criteria. Then who's the person in charge? <laughs> who gets to set exactly. the who gets to who say becomes who becomes pope? Who becomes pope and And that that's been one of the biggest, you know, sort of back and forth between um, you know the Afro-Cuban and the African traditional. Because the Afro-Cuban, you know, many there, there's a strong pension. That is, you know, sort of in principle, basic principles or tenets of the Afro-Cuban practice are sort of discussed or and adhered to through the Asociación Cultural Yoruba de Cuba, mm -hmm. right? Which is essentially a certification body and also a body that looks at, you know, elements of practice and all that makes, you know, certain declarations uh, in terms of best practice. Some people follow it, some people don't. Some I agree with, some I don't. Right, but the, at least there was an attempt within the Afro-Cuban for for decades to have the Yoruba, the Cuba as a as a way to certify who's religious or not. Now, of course, there was a double side to that because it was also a way to keep chads on, and for the government to know who's a religious person and who's not. Right, so there there was a double-edged sword to that, and that's the problem. Once you have those types of, of groups or 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 instruments, they can be they they themselves can be misused and and serve uh, you know not necessarily a greater good. Sure. Right. So. Well, it sounds to me that um, even though it's a daunting task, I think what really needs to be established as part of the uh, 
educating people is to make sure that incoming babalaos, incoming trainees need to be not only responsible, but to be taught that responsibility, to be taught what it's like to be an actual priest. Um, and, and that includes females as well. Um, because otherwise, what you're going to have is all these, you know, these, these guys going around doing things that obviously are not right, for one thing. And they're going to be overcharging. And then they're going to be committing basically murder, murder of animals. Okay. So it's got to be a, a sort of um, a convergence on all facets. And how do you get everybody on board? What do we do? What do you think, Baba Fasaye? I mean, that's a challenge. You know, it's something I'm writing about in my book, which you're saying. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. it's about that. So, you know, what I'll say is, is you know, there's a verse in Ifa that says, and everybody says this, this is an axiom that everybody says in Ifa. You know, it says, you know, now that we've initiated you, go, you go reinitiate yourself. Right. So then the, 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 the problem mm -hmm. is that we don't oftentimes see that really taking place. Everybody thinks, oh, it means I need to go learn more, study more, get more information, more knowledge and whatever. But, you know, and I've said this for years. If you're somebody that you hate women or you hate men or you hate this person or that person, whatever, you're harboring to you're harboring and actively choosing to nurture and hold on to things which are harmful to not only other human beings, but yourself. What happens mm -hmm. when you go inside the grove of Ifa, you go into Igbodu or you go into any type of initiation, you and all of your mental pathology has also been initiated. You initiated all your issues. All your shadow, all your id, all your ego, all your inner demons. You went and initiated them with yourself when you went into the growth. So now those things have taken on another life as well. So when we're talking about reinitiating yourself, you know, we have to talk about looking at it, actively working on whatever your shadow, whatever your issues are, whatever Absolutely. you're talking about, xenophobia, you know, classism, sexism, racism. You know, uh, you know, all these different phobias, homophobia, all these different particular things. You have to be able to look at that and have an honest examination behind what is this? What's really going on? How does this work? How am I being impacted behind this? What things am I choosing to hold on to that I know are no longer good for me? You know, like beyond mm -hmm. just training mm -hmm. and teaching people Ifa, we have to teach people and people have to actually work on self on, on their own self-responsibility. You know, dealing, mm -hmm. dealing with themselves and and their own inner healing. It's just that unfortunately we live in a we live in a society and throughout the world where we just want to consume, learn, study, get this, get that, get this, get that. But we don't want to. Yeah, exactly. You know, we feel like oh, if I just learn more of this, I'll, I'll be better. Oh, if I just learn this verse of Ifa. Oh, mm -hmm. if I could just chant, you know, this uh, this Ijeri, like this other Babalao, then I can be this. And it has nothing to do with that. You can be the best Babalao, best Yanifa, best Orisha, Prisha, Priestess, whatever, and literally be a despicable human being, somebody that no one wants anything to do with. So then what does it have to say, the fact that you know all these verses of Ifa, you know all this juju, all this magic, all these different rituals, if meanwhile your hands, your mind, your heart is not clean? 
you're harboring and holding on to the, all all that means is that literally it's just lip service you just like my what you just you're writing love letters in the air it doesn't go anywhere. you write looking mm -hmm. you're writing here with mm -hmm. you can't see it because it's not legible it's not mm -hmm. tangible you can't be seen by anybody except for the person whose mind that it originates in therefore it means it doesn't exist so when we're talking about things like this we have to beyond the schooling of teaching people about ifa we have to teach people about accountability about being a responsible person being a good individual being a good human being mm -hmm. because those things goes far beyond any type of ritual knowledge and things mm -hmm. of that nature. Well, we, let me give an example. We have a lot of people inside of Ifa, and I've seen this firsthand, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. We have situations where, you know, in America, it is not people's normal nature to see a goat or four-legged or things like that. Like, unless you live on a farm, everybody doesn't see that. So what happens, you take people to Africa, it's been their first time, they're out here, this big sacrifice going on, they make a big ebo, they're killing goats, they're killing rams, killing dogs, whatever it is that they're sacrificing, whatever. You have some people who have mental health issues. Some people that have some sort of bipolarism or something, some other trauma. In other words, we, we have to look at, because everybody has some form of trauma, something that's happened to them in their life that's been harmful. So what happens, you take somebody in their environment and move them to a foreign environment, and then they're seeing things not their normal day-to-day -day life, and some people may some people have some episodes because they're not accustomed to seeing that particular thing. And we say, oh, well, if we just make it more, everything's going to be better and whatever. No, you have to look at addressing and filling some of this wounding and some of this trauma. And a lot of people who come to Ifa, particularly people here in, in America in the diaspora, are coming because there's been some form of wounding. There's been some form of trauma that's occurred in their day-to-day -day life. And instead of learning how to actively heal and work through that, we're just dumping a bunch of rituals and ebo and sacrifice and chants and prayers and all this other stuff instead of addressing and dealing with the real issues. We're just covering it up and thinking, oh, if we just teach them more of this and that and the other, it'll make everything better. But what's happened is that you've given this pathology and all these things that they're suffering from, you've given it a new life. And you're actually making the trauma far worse because mm -hmm. you're suppressing it. And what happens when you suppress trauma like that? It now takes on another, it, it, it takes on another avenue. Mm -hmm. It shows mm -hmm. up in other different types of manifestations. So I'm right. just saying this to say we have to get past this assumption that says just because somebody's a priest or priestess means that they've done their own inner work. Right. Because nine times out of ten, that hasn't been the case. <laughs> but, 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 but it's interesting if we look at the issue it was raised about animal sacrifice we, yeah. we you know, as a in terms of the conduct there are even even, even ifa has you know multitude of course of, of ifa and and sort of guidelines for conduct and warnings or cautions they yeah. do have you know they do have uh, warnings in the instructions if, if you want That's right um I'll give you a couple. For instance, Otura Reda uh, says that you shall not exhibit or basically uh, pronounce or show the blood you have spilled as an act of pride or showing off. That's mm -hmm. uh, so the sign Otura Reda. Irete yeah. Obe says, uh, do not think it, it is the epitome of, of being an uh, being stupid or an idiot to think that you are above 
the the animal or the the being that you have slaughtered, right? M meaning putting yourself that your life was worth more than the life of the animal. That that, that sense of you know despotism. Mm -hmm. Ofundi uh, says you kill because you want to live and you want to you don't want to die, but irrevocably, even if you uh, shed rivers of blood, you will eventually die. Hmm. Okay. Odioro, uh, Odiwori. Mm -hmm. uh, do not be so ignorant or go so far as to forget your own mortality in, mm -hmm. in the sense of having respect for the life that you're taking. Just because you take a life doesn't mean you're immortal. Your, your, your turn is coming. You might delay it, but your turn is coming. And lastly, says, it may surprise you to know that the soul of the animal you sacrifice may find you when you go to Oro, waiting for you to judge you. Okay? So if mm -hmm. Ababalao is, and, and, uh, and this was actually published, and I give credit to uh, a Babala who's passed away it was a Cuban Babala who was initiated in, in, uh, in the Odubemi line and he passed away uh, a couple of years ago. He was a Cuban John living in Spain. Who passed away, Baba knows him. Yeah, he's a Baba. But when you look at that, right, it echoes what Baba Fasaye said, said, and it uh, also speaks to Roland's con you know, as, you know, concept of self-regulatory. Ifa is, everything about Ifa is balance. Everything about Ifa shows that no action comes without an equal and opposite reaction almost, or has a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. The balance is, is what oftentimes, though, because of what Obas has said, is lost when you have bad character. As Obas said, you if you get initiated into the grove, you're, you know, uh, covetous, jealous, and you have any number of demons, those get initiated too, right? And it's only through a, a process of, of you know, either Ifa or life or your, your peers working with you and, and helping you to see the error of what you're doing that that person can possibly mend their ways, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I want to, because we're at one hour and 50 minutes, and we have to be, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact, Roland, it's almost one in the morning there for Roland in England. Um, so, but oh. I do want, I do want to respect, I, I would like uh, Oba to talk about Obatala. We've talked about many times. Yeah. It's, actually, it's actually three o'clock in the morning. Oh, my goodness. It's oh, three. my goodness. Sorry. Okay. So, so this is a die now. We, 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 no. we thank I'm you. Good. For your, I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, good. So, <laughs> Oba, I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about Batala, about the Orisha. I mean, we, we started this, this conversation about your, your, your being recognized with the spiritual title of Oba for Obata, Obatala, Oba Orisha, Obatala in America. What is Obatala for you? What does Obatala represent for the Yoruba? What does Obatala represent as an Orisha? Talk a little bit about Obatala. And then I'd like to get Bolan's own personal experience in terms of what, what you know, in this town, in his peer, what they speak of Obatala. Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, uh, so, I mean, a lot of people, you know, know this Obatala, you know, means king of the white cloth or white light, Obatala. So Oba, king, Obatala is king of, king of white light or king of white cloth, right? So Obatala is considered to be the, the, the elderly amongst all the, all the Orishas. That's why they call him Agbalagba, Agbalagba Orisha. So that means he's he's an elderly, he's an older, older deity, you know. And some of the stories he fought say that you know Obatala was the first king in Ife uh, when when our forefathers you know had a settlement there in uh, in Ile Ife. He was the first Oba or the leader amongst all the deities. Uh, and so Obatala, you know, he deals with wisdom, with insight. Uh, you know, one thing about Obatala that was always shared with me is that, you know, with Obatala, we, you know, we don't seek to judge, we seek to understand. And so Obatala teaches us a lot about, you know, compassion and understanding humanity because Obatala is considered to be the one that molds, you know, human beings, that, mm -hmm. that, that, that molded mankind from, from clay. And so there's many different praise names and things that are used to speak about Obatala and his function. In, uh, in in the creation of humanity. And so, you know, the things that, you know, people come to Obatala to worship him for long life, for, you know, good health, you know, for, for good children, for, you know, all the things of life that anybody wishes to have. You know, depending upon where you come from in Africa, some places in Nigeria say, and, and some parts of, in, in some parts of Nife, other places say that, Obatala was the first, and then some. Some places in Nigeria say that he trained Arumila, that Arumila himself was the Akapo to Obatala. And there are stories in Ifa that talk about how when the Arumila came from heaven to the earth, and they were going through great difficulties, and they called on Arumila to come in as a diviner because Arumila helped Obatala to carry the load. And carry his his great load that he had on his back. That's when Obatala uh, gave uh, Arumila uh, the position of being considered to be, uh, you know, the, the the chief diviner amongst amongst the deities. So that's why Obatala Obatala is also we call him Obarisha, which means he's the he's the king of all of all the deities. He's the father of all the Orishas. They some some places in Nigeria call him, you know, Obaibo. The father of the sacred grove, the father of the forest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different praise names that we use when we talk about uh, this deity. Um, you know, and Obatala comes with a, with a pair. He comes with his wife Yemu, Yemu, as is 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 his uh, his his spiritual companion. So you know, all things in in, in Ishishe always come with, with balance. That's the, that's the principle of duality, right? So. For, for light, you have dark, male, female, up, down, left, right. Mm. So that's the considered to be like the, the, the counterpart to Obatala. And so he he does a lot of his ashe and, and different things spiritually through that particular you know balance of masculine and feminine energy. Obatala is about understanding how things come into creation, you know, how things come into existence. It deals with our intelligence and with our our higher intellect, our higher, uh, higher consciousness, higher, higher spiritual uh, thought, you know, and Obatala deals a lot with our purity, the cleanliness of our mind, the cleanliness of our heart, of our actions, of our speech, 
you know, because Obatala, they say Obatala is 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 Ashe. When you say Ashe, the word Ashe, they say Ashe comes from Obatala. Because when he came from the heaven to earth, Olujumare gave him the Alabalashe, the scepter of authority to be able to, to do things in the right way, to be able to establish things and to, to set things on, on their course. So Obatala is very important, you know, because mm -hmm. without Obatala, nothing else comes, you know, nothing else comes about. That's it. You say Ashe, you're, you're talking Obatala language. <laughs> so... You know, part of the things that we're, you know, we're trying to do in terms of getting people and, and working with folks in terms of the tradition of worship is just we, ha we have to start with just understanding, you know, what these deities are, you know, how they show up, mm -hmm. how they show up in nature. We can see Obatala in different, in different aspects of nature, how that how that deity uh, also shows up spiritually in our in our day to day life, you know, you know, our diet. You know, the, you know, Obatala. They, they say that Obatala, you know, also you know, deals with Abba and Ashe. So Abba is like your intention, your thought, your imagination. Abba and Ashe. So as you think, so you, so you exist, so you live. So mm -hmm. Obatala, he created things with the Igbaiwa. Igbaiwa is like the the, the calabash of character. So Obatala teaches us a lot about Iwapele. And I've said this many times, it's a misnomer. People say Iwapele, they think it means that it means good character. But Iwapele means having gentle character. It's not just good character. It's about having gentleness of character. So it's like Boa was saying in the beginning, you know, by how he you know, they brought together many different people on the panel to have all these very uh, uh, challenging, tense discussions, right? And everybody mm -hmm. agreed, ah, we're not going to get triggered. We're not going to get angry. You, you, we might have a very strong, very passionate conversation, but we can still be able to talk to one another in such a way that we can be able to say what we need to say. And at the end of the day, we're still going to be friends. That's a manifestation of Iwapele. You know what he did? That's the work of Obatala. <laughs> to be able to say, ah, you know, even when we're talking about this and that and the other, we can still do things pele pele. We can still talk about things gently. We can still talk about things with respect and gently mm -hmm. in such a way that you know if you say something to somebody in a certain way, we know how to use tact and talk to people in such a way that we can communicate what we have to say without deliberately trying to insult one another. That's Obatala, is ambassadorship, communication. That's that's a lot of his, actually, I don't want to say too much about it, more about it because there's a lot we can, we can say when we're talking about Obatala, but those are some of the things that you know, that we want to have mm -hmm. in mind when we're talking about uh, this particular deity and his function and, and what he has to teach us uh, as, as human beings. Uh, Molan, what about, what about your, your understanding of Batala and in your life, not just the, the metaphysical, but the actual application in your life of what you've seen? Well, first of, first of all, I want to thank KBAC because of the last few minutes, of talking about Obatala, I found it very, very useful. Mm. I found it very, very useful from a learning point of view. Because in my experience, the people that uh, do, uh, do divination for me, so they are who you would refer to in the Nigerian parlance as illiterates. Mm. You will call them illiterates. Mm. So we don't communicate. 
like that. And they're not able to break anything down for me mm. so articulately. So we don't have that kind of conversation. I go there, I greet them, <clears throat> they divine, <clears throat> they tell me what's up, and they tell me what I need to do. I provide the cash, they get it done, they do it, I turn up, it, it could be while I'm in England, they do it, the film, they show me, and I go. <laughs> but I do remember uh, when I first signed up in 2014, because I used to be quite, uh, I used to be like a troll on social media. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I used to go after people on social media. You so don't I know anything about that. <laughs> anything that I do not like, anything that I do not like, I will go for it. Mm. So I started with the, with the pastors that had private jets. That was my pet peeve. So I will go against these pastors with private jet with so much venom. And all the people who love them will be losing their mind. And obviously, being a journalist, I've got like big words. So I keep going and I have a lot of stamina to argue. And I keep going and going and going and going. You know, uh, so that was my thing. I get a kick off it. Uh, and then I turned on the Nigerian president, you know, and then it was my pet peeve. And I kept on and on and on. So when I found the faith, the first thing my Babalawo told me was about Iwakwele. And then I realized that when I was a Christian, the kind of attitude that I should have as a follower of Christ, according to the book, I didn't really exhibit it as much. Hmm. But when I became an Ifa devotee is when I started to act like a responsible human being. You know, like the Iwakwele, trait you know so every now and again i'll go back to my old self and i'll be like i'm about to curse you out right now <laughs> and then it will and then it will slide into my inbox my babalawo and there's an odu that it gave me like it is the elder that does not get angry that has plenty children mm. you know so he keeps saying to me watch your outburst watch your outburst so but I never really associated that with Obatala. My experience with Obatala was order, order. So whenever things were chaotic, my personal circumstances, my financial life, my work life, my professional life, just when I feel like I'm discombobulated and out of like an innate feeling, I'd be like, um, can you tell Ye Ye that I want to divine? So this woman that does it for me, her daughter is a friend of mine. So whenever we catch up, oh, how's England? Oh, how's Abeokuta? I hope everyone is fine. How's your family? Can you tell Ye Ye that I want to divine? It's been a while. Or oh, I want to feed my Ori. Oftentimes, it's always Obatala. Mm -hmm. So she'll come back and say, Mama said, you have to bore Obatala. We have to buy snails. We have to buy rooster. We have to buy that. So it's always Obatala. Mm -hmm. And true to type, once that is done, order is restored. It doesn't mean that my bank account suddenly have thousands of pounds in it <laughs> or anything like that. But 
I just realized that I've had a reset. You know, like your computer is acting funny and you just do a reset okay. and everything is back to normal. So I always feel like there's a reset and that's been my experience. But hearing Baba talk now, I realize that Obasala is at the heart of everything, really. So some of the things that's happening to me, some of the times that they've divined for me or done my ori or feed my ori, whatever, I realized that Obatala is at the heart of it, even in terms of wisdom. So I got myself a bit of side hustle recently. I started a record label, did my private radio station, just trying to do so many things because I feel like I need to get stuff done before I get tired. And I've been like negotiating a lot with people, dealing with different characters, you know? Sometimes they push my buttons. I want to kick off. I literally want to kick off like, no, these people must not know who I am. I'm about to tell you who I am, the stamina that I have for trouble. You guys are about to experience it firsthand. <laughs> you know, I, used, I said to somebody, I said, I'm about to descend on you like a, like a bomb. Like you have no idea who you're about to cross. And then after like two days, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out. And your riches are going to sort stuff out. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, so now I realize Obatala is at the heart of all that negotiation. So that's been my experience, really. Interesting. Now, Obatala in the Afro-Cuban, some of the main things just adding is, as, as was said, Obatala is the mediator, not just among human beings, but the mediator among the Orisha. Whenever there's a there's a spiritual dispute among Orisha, there's Obatala's energy that comes in to, to settle the dispute and to bring you know peace and all that. Mm -hmm. um, second thing is Obatala is owner of all the heads. That's why I say when anybody has mm -hmm. problems with their head, anything that is abnormal with the head, it is Obatala you pray for, or two. Um, also, Obatala governs everything for us that has to do with children or people that have some sort of disability or impediment or mental illness or physical disability and so forth. Also, Batala is the patron of all albinos. Mm -hmm. Albinos are sacred to Batala, mm -hmm. right? There's another thing. And also, when it comes to the, the ability to save somebody who's very gravely ill, the, one of the, the number one Orisha to go to is Obatala. Because either Obatala or Rumila, but or the two working together is is when when somebody's really like death is there, you know, Obatala is, is the only Orisha that can say back off a bit. Like mm -hmm. give some time. Interesting. And you know they say Obatala begins and ends all wars. Well, that's the other side of Obatala as well. Is that he sure. ends all wars. <laughs> you know, because and of what them. CEO <laughs> at the table, you know. So anytime you want to get things done, everybody comes to the table, all discuss what's gonna happen. And the CEO is okay, now we're going to do this and this. So maybe one time you need to have peace, another time you decide that it's time to go to war. But everybody <laughs> all wars need to begin and end with Obatala. <laughs> He's ready. Yes. <laughs> because it's not it's that funny. It's, that it's funny. Yeah. It's funny, obviously, because um, I just, 
I've just been oozing in confidence since I embraced the path. Mm. You know, not not boastfulness, not showy, but just inner inner peace. Man. So it's almost like you're Mike Tyson in a club. Yes. You know you're gonna be fine. That's right. You know, you're not necessarily looking for a fight, but God help anybody that tries to have a fight. You'd be like, are you sure? what you're about to do so that i have this kind of inner reassurance mm -hmm. you know like uh I, I, you know i feel like i i'm being looked after but uh because you know sometimes you're not really thinking about what you're doing it's how you're feeling mm -hmm. like the negotiations mm -hmm. i alluded to yeah i feel like people were trying to take advantage of me mm -hmm. you know like why would you try to take advantage of my of my um attitude i was being nice to you i was i was chasing there's a yoruba proverb i'm chasing uh meat in your direction and you're chasing a snake in my direction hmm. so i'm trying to chase a rabbit towards you so you can catch it and here you are chasing a cobra in my direction so hmm. it's a yoruba proverb and straight away it came to my head like we're trying to do a business together and I've been breaking my back trying to help you emerge. But you've been having like meetings, mm -hmm. how to rip me off. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, I'm not the guy you rip off. You know, I will explode into your, you know, all over your business. But then, and secondly, I'm thinking, well, I've, I've got your wishes. Like, you don't really want to mess with me like that. You know, mm -hmm. so I now thought to myself, right, I need to control my vibes because I do not want negative vibes towards mm -hmm. these people because these are my friends. They're just slightly mm -hmm. naughty. So I decided, right, we're going to have a little conversation. I'm going to say, so I remember having that chat. With, it was like this, four of us, mm. and I had to take control. So every time they wanted to talk, as I said, stop, stop. We're not going to fight and we're not going to fall out. But let me say what my issues are. And then when they say what they're trying to say, I'm like, really? You guys are not trying to like pass the buck? I said, don't worry, don't worry, it's fine. Whatever you want is what I want. So I found myself doing something out of character, right. you know, like trying to calm everything down, you know, but under normal circumstances, I'd be like, oh, okay, it's on now, right, fine. Okay, fine, let's see what's gonna happen. You know, so now that Baba spoke, I realized, yeah, that's the Obatala, yeah. me maturing getting older, being more matured as a spiritual person and being able to just handle my energy, you know, because I feel like I have the Ogun energy. I used to really feel great about that. Like I've got the Ogun vibes in me, you know, but uh, I feel like I, the Obatala one is slightly, uh, you know, I feel better that way, like Iwakwele, you know, Iwakwele. Yeah. For for us in the Afro-Cuban or, or the Odu or Wani May, which is a watering May, says that the war will not come to the earth unless Ayaguna or Batala Ayaguna gives the word. Ajaguna. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, you know that's my you know that's my title. Wow. You know I'm a chief. KBC, I'm a I'm a chief in Ijebu. Ah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm a chief, so I'm an, I'm an, I'm an Otumba. Ah, Otumba, ah, Benny. <laughs> yes, wow. so my title is, my title is Oboye. 
Ogboye Jaguna. Ogboye Jaguna of Ilodo. Wow. Warrior. Wow. Yeah. In the Africa, Obatala Jaguna is the warrior path of Obatala. And he's, he, he, his beads are primarily white with an offspring of red. Oh wow, Kabisi! I don't know whether you know that I'm a I'm a boxer. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Jerome to show you my YouTube videos, knocking people out within seconds. <laughs> I used to be your typical angry black person, really. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I had what you would call what you call they call it uh, on license boxing. They called it they called it white collar boxing. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would have your regular jobs and you sign up to fight somebody. So they just call me up and say, Peter, there's this guy. Uh is a plumber, is about 200 pounds. What do you wear right now? I'd be like, I weigh 180. That's fine, you'll be great. And then we meet at the local YMCA and beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's that's a next that's a next level anger management class. Wow! <laughs> I was gonna say now that's anger management. We, we used to get paid. We used to get paid as well. We used to get paid. It's like white club, and I used to yeah. like you know like while I'm wrapping my hands, I used yeah. to get excited like ooh I'm gonna be somebody of today all my days. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! There's a whole different side of you. A whole different side of you. They chose the right title for you, Loye. They chose the right title. Yes, for you. yes obviously they did. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Ajaguna. Yes. So there you. But the irony was, I got beat up more than I won. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So I have like um so you know like before I got into it, I remember when I when I brush my teeth, all my teeth they touch each other. So I have like a perfect teeth. Now they're like that from the punches to my jaw. So my teeth like they missed, they don't touch anymore. So I've had like 40 fights, and I think I won 10. 30 times I got beat up badly. You know, wow. but I kept turning up and I kept coming back and I kept coming back because the the excitement of going into a ring as a boxer, you know, like the, you have people around you, they got muscles, but they would never step in the ring. But here I am with skinny long arms and footwork and I'd be oh, like, let's go. Yeah, the ones they say, oh, there's this guy. Uh, I'd be like, let's go. Where? Let's go. So the <laughs> fact that so I was getting a kick uh, off the fact that I wasn't afraid of anyone. So I just stepped in the ring like, what are you going to do? You're going to punch me, I'm going to punch you straight back. You know, and then that became my thing. And at some point when I was getting close to 40, I thought, nah, 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 nah. Enough of this foolishness. And so I just, <laughs> I, I retired. Wow. So, yeah. But wow. I could send you Facebook links. I mean, YouTube yeah, links if you want to watch it. I've got like three fights that you can watch on YouTube. <laughs> Highlight reel. <laughs> Highlight wow. reel, yes. Yeah, I'd love to yes. see that. <laughs> yeah. I know, I do too. Yeah. We're going to put that up. Real That's Fight a, Club. Real <laughs> Fight Club. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> my, my dear friends, in the interest of time, because we're at uh, two hours and 15 minutes, Obafase, uh, uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, pass on in terms of an announcement, message, any parting, uh, any words, uh, you know, for as we wind down the, the, the show? Anything you'd like to tell the audience or? Uh, you know, I think uh, I, you know, I was just thinking about what Bolan was saying earlier about us. Uh, we need to start, you know, to start putting together some representation behind, you know, people coming into the tradition. I think what he said about film representation, like things like that. I think that's a really good idea. I really like that. So I think that's something we definitely need to have more conversation, discussion, and find mm -hmm. some ways actually put that into put that into motion because you know we've been telling these stories and things like this of you know practices and traditions for a long time and i think you know as much you know and i've said this for years you know as much as we revere and going back to africa to learn things as well you know it's a two-sided dialogue so just as much as we have things to learn from them at home they also have some things that they can benefit from learning from us as African descended people over here, you know, it's not just a one-sided dialogue, and that's mm -hmm. something that we oftentimes as a challenge is that we romanticize and we feel that all the wisdom and insight and beneficial things is only over there. But we also need to remember, you know, that we have something to bring to the table too. And I think what Bolan said about that is is a is, is a is a fantastic uh, enterprise. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good thing to 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 really start exploring you know how we can really start bringing together some representation and, and talking about this and i think that as people back home in africa i think with them even seeing you know people here you know in the western world coming into the tradition i think that also feeds back to giving a a, a heightened sense of, of pride and dignity and i think that that works towards getting people to really start taking a look at what they have i mean it's in it's in your own backyard you know, you wake up, it's there. And it's those of us who are over here, we have to travel back and forth to be able to immerse ourselves. And, and in addition to that, I think we need to really start thinking about breaking ground and start establishing things over here in, in, the, in, in, in the Western part of the world. We need to start establishing, you know, our own places of, of worship and places where we can come together and gather to mm -hmm. worship, to venerate, to be able to to do the things that we need to do. In other words, what I'm saying is we don't have to just wait for this to happen, you know, in Africa and whatever, but we too need to do the work and find ways to be able to, to foster and to create mm -hmm. the type of world we want to live in, you know? And that's mm -hmm. something we have to really think about. We can't just always be looking back and say, oh, back in the old days, things used to be like this, things used to be like that, whatever, you know, what, what can we do with what we have here? What can we do to create and to make the world and to make our community the type of places that, that we want to be in, the types mm -hmm. of associations and community and people that we want to find ourselves being a part of? So, you know, that's our goal here. That's certainly my my intention and my goal. You know, we've been working on doing this here for a while. You know, we've made some good friends and people, you know, friends with folks, you know, here in America, people overseas and other countries, people mm -hmm. in Europe and Germany and, and different folks that have a lot of students and and, and, and friends and community in, in different parts of the world. And, and this this very conversation we've all been having here for the last several hours, we've you know, I've been, you know, 
been fortunate to sit in to have this same, same type of conversations here in a lot of different mm -hmm. communities. So I think that collectively, I think globally, I think a lot of us are, are, are starting to come to some similar conclusions about some things that need to be done and some things that, that, that need to happen to, to move things forward, you know, in, in order mm -hmm. to be able to grow. You know, and, and things always, we always know everything always begins and, and it always starts in back home in Africa, but we too have a responsibility to progress things and to mm -hmm. be able to move it into the next, into the next place because we too will be the elders and be the, uh, the older people later on that our children will be telling our stories. And so, you know, we want to ask ourselves, so are we just talking and, and whatever, are we setting a foundation for our children to be able Absolutely. to have, to build on? that'll be their inheritance and be part of their legacy, you know, going forward. And I think it starts with discussions and the plans of things like this. So, you know, just, you know, on my end, that's something I'd like to see more of this happen, but more than just talk, I'd like to see action. We need to start actually doing things now because we've talked about it enough and now is the time that we need to start putting things in motion. You know, that's what I'm working on with my book is putting out more information in the book that I'm writing. It's not just about, talking about verses of Ifah and whatever. It's really a discussion. It's a, it's a modern it's a modern interpretation of Yoruba cosmology for daily view and practice because we need to have a good perspective about what we're doing and why, and why we're doing it. Before you can have a practice, you have to establish the view. And unfortunately, a lot of times we get into the view first. We're doing all this juju and all these other things and rituals, whatever, yeah. but we don't have a Review that's been established first. If you want to be successful, you have to understand who am I, what am I here to do, what's my destiny, what's my place, what all those things Absolutely. we have to be looking at before you start trying to do something else. You have to have that that introspection and be actively working on addressing reflection. Definitely, that part's important because that's our humanity, right? Mm -hmm. We have to remember the human piece. It's easy to get into these ritual things and whatever else. And we lose our connection to this world. We mm -hmm. want to think about all these other things that's happening spiritually. But but a spiritual practice also comes with being a good father, being a good mother, being a good husband, being a good neighbor, you know, being a good individual. Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's where the mm -hmm. real spiritual practice happens. Because if you mm -hmm. just go off and you make that's these the efforts, whole point. sacrifice this goat and whatever, but meanwhile you step outside your house and you're a very angry or vindictive person or you're a cool person, then all the evil in the world was a waste. It was for nothing. You didn't accomplish mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my view is that we, we need to be looking at addressing these things before we start trying to get deep into all the things. We need to really start having, you know, this type of introspection and start having these types of conversations. And we have to have the strength and courage to start establishing and building our communities. In other words, my point, mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that Africa and Nigeria, can't, going back home isn't going to fix all of our problems. It's just giving us some perspective and looking back at who we once were, but it's up mm -hmm. to us to be able to grow things. You know, things in Africa are done the way that they're done there and there's their destiny there. Those of us who are descended from there and live in different parts of the world, we also have a part of that destiny where we live in order to be able mm -hmm. to do something. If we don't do something with that, then it means that all the sacrifices and things that have been done mm -hmm. by integers, it was all for nothing. It was a way. Mm -hmm accomplish anything it means we're just going in circles so you know i'm just saying i, I would i'm hoping that we'll be able to this this will be the beginning of us really you know starting to take some concrete action behind good representation and really 
you know, taking some concrete steps to start mm-hmm. making start making things into the direction where we know it, it needs to go. So, you know, I'm glad okay. to be here to get today and sit down with everybody and, you know, be able to start having this conversation. You know, it's been looking at my phone here back and forth, like there's been a lot of dialogue and a lot of feedback that a lot of people have had about this discussion. So this means that this mm-hmm. is this, this is a relevant discussion where we're talking about this. Absolutely know, it is. And I think it's a wonderful uh, discussion that we're able to just sit here and uh, and talk about uh, IFA and what mm-hmm. IFA is about. So, um, Jean Jerome, is there? Um, well, I have a, a parting words for Volan. Uh, Volan, Volan, what if you? Is there something you want to, you know, conclusions or or some remarks, summary remarks? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I, once again, I want to thank KBC. You know, so I've learned so much today. There's so much uh, wisdom. Uh, yes. So also, Kabisi, I wanted to touch on the observations that you made uh, yes. in terms of the, it's a two-way street. So it's not yes. just Nigeria, yes. Oshun, Ife, yes. being the, <clears throat> you know, center for everything. Yes. I think we can also gain from the diaspora community. As a diaspora myself, I know the influence that we have over <clears throat> our people in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of, maybe because the money that you send, yes, in the <laughs> politics, in the dynamics of your family and friends, you always have some influence. Man. So the diaspora community will do wonders for this faith. So I'm thinking, a beautiful Ifa Cathedral, you know, will not be amiss. That's right. A beautiful place of worship in your in your kingdom where you domicile. That's right. You know, where That's beautiful right. things will be happening. That's and right. when I when I came into Ifa, it was done on Skype. My first divination was via Skype. Wow. It was exhilarated. My Babalao was in South Africa. I nearly yeah. chuckled because it felt like stuff of movie. You know, I nearly chuckled because I did, it was just my journalistic instinct that made me agree. Wow. He said to me, when he said to me, I'm a babalao, I nearly laughed because straight away I felt like he was jobless and he was desperate. Was why he said that's what he did because he was my friend in school. We knew each other and mm-hmm. I found him on Facebook and I saw stuff. And I'm thinking, what's going on? So when I reached out and he said, oh, I'm a Babalao in South Africa, I'm like, what? Okay. So my first encounter was on Skype. So just like this video, he said, tell me your mother's name. And yeah, I know your name, you're Babalao. Just tell me your mom's name. And he did that, you know, and uh, gave me the Odu. And... Uh, Kind of interpreted the audio. Uh, you know, like if you get caught here, you can like no. But then if you get caught here, it's like oops. So the first few readings, it was a bit embarrassing because it saw through me, and I did not want to admit that. So I kind of felt like he's an educated guess. This guy kind of watched me on social media and tried to be smart with me. <laughs> so I refused. I refused to acknowledge the reading. 
you know, because he speculated about my financial circumstance. And that was a bit embarrassing, so I refused, you know. Mm -hmm. And then he went straight for the juggler, spoke about my children, you know. And I had a little boy with special needs. He went there. Now, this boy, nobody knows that, only my close friends. Well, only my family member. So he went there. And then he went to other... It was too much. I had to open up, like, what's going on? You know, and then, so I digress. My first contact with Ifa was over Skype. So I'm talking about what the technology can really do. Yes. You know, a temple mm -hmm. where you domicile as a spiritual leader, right. people in Oshobo mm -hmm. consulting mm -hmm. via Skype, mm -hmm. getting their reading, you know, via stream. What are we using now? StreamYard, yep. whatever, you know, having a ball, you know, all sorts of stuff done in the temple, people gathering, having sessions, having workshops, yeah. you know, just having this beautiful place where we gather. Yes. And it's appealing and we're learning. That would help our, our younger audience, I mean, our younger uh, 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 relatives, you know, up and coming mm -hmm. young people Absolutely. who are kind of disillusioned with the, with the stealing and the fakery that they get from like the other religion, you know, like the churches, you know, like the jet flying, whatever. Because my experience is some people don't like that anymore, but then they don't know where else to go. So if we can be having this kind of opportunity, I feel like it will be great. So, okay. you know, that's my suggestion, Kabiesi, going okay. forward. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for those listening, you know, anybody that's watching us, I just wanted to say that this, it's the thing that makes us uh, shine the most. It's that very thing that they make us hate. So I've realized that all this while, when I was detached from this faith, I did myself a disservice. Because the moment I've embraced it, it's done nothing but good for me. Even when I've been to places where people have caught a, 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 a sight of my beads on my wrist, I've gotten people showing me respect, people showing me, you know, treating me with regard. Whether it was born out of fear, whether it's the aura of Obatala, mm -hmm. I don't know. But at no time has anybody seen my beads and treated me like shit. At no time okay. has anybody found out about my Ifa devotion or me being a, a, an Orisha worshiper and treated me with scum. They probably look at me, maybe in the case of my family members, and feel like, oh my God, what has our brother turned into? But nobody has seen me and, and treated me like I, I didn't come for anything. People have treated me with a lot of regard, a lot of respect, once they found that I'm a devotee. So for me, for me, that's power. And so I say to people, like, it is an incredible opportunity here. You know, you need to step forward and embrace what belongs to you, what's going to make you a king, what's going to make you walk like a prince or princess that you are. Only this religion of our ancestors will bring that. That's my personal experience. Every single time I've stepped out since I've walked this path, 
I've had no reason to regret. I felt safe, I felt strong, and I felt a lot of, you know, respect and regard. And so for that, I can only recommend it. Well, everybody, I'd like to, to thank you both, uh, yeah. our, our guests. Congratulations. Thank you. Guide your path. May he protect you and uh, allow your message and your, your knowledge and your experience and the wisdom of Orisha to flow through you so that people can hear it, so that people can take heart in the belief system and better their life. And, and Bolan, I love you, my brother. Continue your efforts in the BBC. Continue your efforts with your radio station. Continue to have yeah. that newfound, you know, confidence and pride in your indigenous belief system, in Ifa, in Orisha. And as I say to all our guests, you're not alone. You have a brother here in Canada, a sister here in Canada, a community in the States, a brother in the States. Yeah. You know, I'll be talking all on as well. We'll be staying in contact. Baba Loye. Ajaguna. We have to support each other because, you know, together we're strong. And That's together right. we can leave a, a positive influence, a positive legacy for the next generation. And we, we owe that okay. to the next generation to do that, right? We owe that to our ancestors. Ashe. Ashe. And I just wanted to uh, be remiss, this is a tradition, to thank our little, our most faithful four-legged furry, furry creatures. <laughs> Mojo. Oh, there he is. <laughs> watched the last, I don't know how many shows, three months worth of shows. Mojo. And now his sister's in on the act as well. I call uh, Mojo Awo Ologbo. Awo Ologbo. Because he's no, always very faithfully. <laughs> There's a title. Ologbo Jigono. Ologbo Jigono, the big cat. So there's a there's a there's a Yoruba movie about a character who is like a chief priest. They call him Ologbo Jigono, the big cat. Babawo. So that looks like Ologbo Ologbo Jigono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Teresa, over <laughs> to you to to uh, uh, wrap up, and so we can go off the air because I think we're we're at two hours and thirty three minutes, and we've yes. I feel bad for a bullion because it's three something in the morning now. Bad's oh gonna my fall god! I'm good. I know. And, and you don't and have this opportunity him. all the time to sit with the, with his royal with his royal highness, a chief priest, for that matter. And now this new relationship for me, I I, I relish it and I cherish it. So do I. So. Thank you. The sleep, the sleep can wait. Actually. I will sleep really well, actually. By the time I sleep, I will literally pass out. <laughs> so I want to thank Baba Faseye Oba Ifagbe for coming on our show again. And yeah. uh, Bolin, it was a pleasure meeting you. Honestly, it really was. And, uh, you know, we all have to stay in touch, obviously. And I want to thank everybody who tuned in okay for sticking with us for this length of time and those who um popped off they can always come back and you know we've got 
our uh, all our shows recorded so they can come back and look at these shows. So I want to say good night. Good night to you. And good night to you, Bolin. Good night to you, Baba Fassier. Good night, Jean Jerome. I'm starving. And I'm sure everybody else who's tuned in is either tired or hungry. <laughs> so I will say good night to everybody and thank you all for tuning in. Um, we've got one more, we've got a couple of shows before our year end. We're going to do a year end party. I know I've said it before. I got to get moving on that. Uh, I've got the guest list. Okay. And uh, so anyway, I just, don't want to take anybody else's uh, time away. Um, so I'm going to say good night, farewell, all right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Good night.